Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's nineteen ninety nine. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? Nineteen ninety nine. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the awards of 1999 here from the Beverly Hilton in beautiful Beverly Hills, California, <laughs> here in 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybark. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today to talk about the Golden Globes, he's back for a second run at the awards in 1999. It's Eric Anderson, so great on our Oscar podcast. You run the Awards Watch website, own the Awards Watch website, doing it for how long? Six years for with Awards Watch. Oh, nice. How long have you been uh, covering Oscars? And, you know, I guess Golden Globes too, whatever. Uh, closer to 20? <laughs> Let's go for 21, 21, 21 years, 21 years since uh, 1999. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, I, I too have been covering awards uh, since 1999, but mine has mine have been done mostly on a Google Doc or a Microsoft Word Doc. It's all got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. true. Well, thank you for joining us again. Yeah. Yes, and thank you for for coming on for for the Golden Globes. Um, Eric and I were briefly talking before we came on mic about how truly bizarre these awards were. I, I mean, I was kind of, I, I sent you a link, Kenny, as well, of just, you know, a handful of the acceptance speeches that from that night. <laughs> and, I mean, I think we can all safely say that the Golden Globes are kind of a shit show. They're always a shit show. Like, that's why we kind of watch them, right? Because they're kind of budget. Um, 
they're bought basically <laughs> by the studios. Like they're not, there isn't like a, a real sort of sense of, um, I mean, frankly, legitimacy to the Golden Globes in a lot of ways. But watching these clips from 20 years ago, was it always this janky? Did it always look this bad? Did everyone always look this pale and, and drunk or high? <laughs> I, I think there's a couple of things that are that are factors in that. One is that we're watching these non-HD, yeah, sure, uh, sure, sure. really grainy kind of ugly looking videos because there just wasn't really at right. the time. So, And then you combine the fact that this is 20 years ago and between fashion and makeup and hair, the styles are really pretty dramatically different. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at, at Charlize Theron in in this show and she looks like Elizabeth Berkley in Showgirls. And it's she's almost unrecognizable. What about Ben Affleck next to her looking very pale and not looking That's great. just Ben Affleck. That's, you know, <laughs> that, 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 was a, that was a bad month. That's, well, yeah. <laughs> So that was Reindeer Games, right? I they were promoting Charlie's that. Great. Yeah. Am I crazy? I mean, like, I don't know. I think they all look great. I don't know, no. Phil. I don't. I don't know about the way you came into this one. I'm being it's honest, like, dude. Like, like this is what this is. I, yeah, I think. I think people looked. I think people looked really bad. Yeah, the only I, person who <laughs> genuinely looked great to me was Winona Ryder. What a shock. Um, that's not a, that's not about like her. I mean, I, I obviously think Charlize Theron's a beautiful woman. I'm not an idiot. I'm just saying that it was just I, I was just really hit, and I do think that that Eric obviously underlines the points in a far more articulate way than I did in terms of why perhaps it looked like shit. But the Golden Globes always kind of look bad. I get it. They're at the Hilton. Not that the Hilton's a dump or anything, but it's just like it's just a weird telecast. It always feels like people are eating or drinking or whatever. It's messy, and that's why we watch it because it's messy. But this felt messier I don't watch than it I remember. Because it. it's messy. I watch it for one very obvious reason. The same reason I think Eric watches it. It's a precursor to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's been it's been around for seventy plus years. So. It has. It's it's, it's a staple. It's like I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's easy to say it's messy, but who cares? Like. I do not watch it because Jack Nicholson sits in the front and he and he's drunk. I think that's that's that that means nothing to me. It all all that matters to me is that people are getting awards that may influence the Oscars that will there that will then influence the way we talk about films forever. Which okay, I but, love. Okay. But and that that's totally valid. And I'm certainly not suggesting that I don't watch it for that as well. But let's just take a second here to to be real about how much of a precursor the Golden Globes really are to the Oscars. Now, do we really believe that how many people are in the uh the foreign uh it's always hovered between like ninety and ninety-three, which is so weird because it's like Okay, if somebody, if someone dies, does is there like somebody at bat waiting in the wings? Yeah. How does that even work? Yeah, I know the guy who's next up. Yeah, he's an Ecuadorian blogger. I know him pretty well. And how does that person got to feel? I mean, he's got to be looking yeah. at you know who he can push down some stairs. <laughs> All right, Phil, it's the Hollywood Ford Press Association, which sure. I know you know. 
Sure. <laughs> my, my point, you know that. But you understand my point, Kenny, right? Which is I, that 93 people, okay, which is a tiny pool of people which are completely like buyable, right? Like those people are taking any number of, of gifts and what have you. It's not really a precursor. All right, let's, 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 I want to handle this in two ways. Okay. On one hand, your point that it's a silly thing to be a precursor, of course, it's absurd. Okay. Is it a precursor? Without a doubt. Like, what does precursor mean? Does precursor mean predictive? No. Precursor mm. means it is part of what sets the conversation. So are the street screen actor award. That. Yeah. So are the critics awards. So is box office. So is so many things. Right. So are like literally like 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 ads and variety. But the biggest number one, the the biggest thing that I think helps you set the conversation for the Oscars is the Golden Globes. I'm not just to be clear. That's a, that is completely valid. I don't, I, you know, we we can split hairs about definitions of words, and you're not wrong that it is a precursor to the Academy Awards. Is it predictive, which is what people think precursor means? It's not. Who cares what they so, think? They're wrong. It's okay. pre- it's okay. predictive if okay. you allow the precursor to move your needle right more than necessary. Which some right. people that, do, right, Eric? That does happen. That happens yep. all the time. And the, the the main reason for that is because the Globes are actually the first televised uh, awards. And yeah. Yeah. so people grab onto it immediately and give it, you know, sometimes a little more credence than maybe it deserves. Because sometimes they do uh, break from uh, critics groups and the Oscars. They definitely did in a couple of cases this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that's I think that's the thing, and, and it's also one of the things that's so great about the Globes is that it is messy and drunk and stupid and cheap looking, and in a hotel where you can see the ceiling and it feels like a ballroom. Which but it is also the first, and it's full of stars, and it's fun, and it is a precursor. So it's unlike a lot of them. It's both of those things, and it's always been those things longer than anybody else. And I'll, I'll I also think- just I can I just say one very quick thing. What I said up top might not have sounded this way, but it is a loving thing. Like I watch them every year. I love them. I'm not shitting on them because I don't enjoy watching them and that I don't think that they're fun to watch. I mean, I would argue they may be more fun than a lot of award shows to watch because of all the things that Eric just listed. So I don't mean to suggest that by denigrating it, I don't say that. I don't think you're saying that. I think you're, I I think you're doing fine, but, but we, (laughs) but we have, but, but, but I think that I think to me, it's the fun is that for a very weird period of time from this, the last week in December until the Globes are handed out, people take this shit seriously. And the weird thing about it is it is given out by 93 people, none of whom are American, in a ballroom where they could be bought, where these people go and they're drunk. And it matters immensely. So I'll, I'll give you an example of, of where it matters. Okay. I am fairly confident that some some chicanery went on behind the scenes with the Bohemian Rhapsody nominations at the Globe. 
But I think if Bohemian Rap at the Globes, I think if Bohemian Rhapsody didn't do as well as it did at the Globes, the Oscars would not have taken it seriously. And I don't think it would have gotten nominated. I think Bohemian Rhapsody needed something at that time because it didn't have the critics to validate an awards play. And they got it from the Globes. And I think every – and I also think movies – I think you and I, I think we've had this discussion. I think movies die deaths in terms of awards by not getting Globe not, not getting Globe nominations. A good example, I think huh? – I think The Post was, was shut out of uh, best – um, well, I can't remember. I mean – but I – Every year there are movies where like, wow, they got no Globe nominations and they're just DOA at the Oscars because of that. So but I would I would also say that the, the flip side to that argument is also true where Golden Globe nominations don't equal don't get that person over the over the one yard line. I mean, Jim Carrey being perhaps the most glaring one of of mm-hmm. these two years. He won for of, of, he won for comedy that that that, that it doesn't count. You can't. Well, but you, well, that it is does a, count. I, it, it, does no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Absolutely. No, it doesn't. Com- the, the musical yeah. comedy categories are not predictive in any way. They don't then, count. If they have, what about Janet they, McTeer for Tumbleweeds, who won Best Comedy yeah, in Musical Actress? I think it's over Julia Roberts. That's, that's that's my point. Kenny. Yeah, that, no, that should be like a whole section of the conversation because well, which we'll we'll definitely have. Yeah. <clears throat> so wait, so just so I understand, so so in your opinion, musical and comedy nominee golds are predictive and are a precursor for the golds. That you no, don't, Kenny. I'm 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 literally saying that sometimes it breaks for, sometimes it breaks against. My point is that I don't think that it's none of this is binary. This is all obviously incredibly subjective, right? So like, I don't think that you or I or anyone can say like this is a hard and fast rule because obviously that's just not the case. My point is more that sometimes it feels like the Golden Globes can be a tipping point. Take, for example, Janet McTeer for Tumbleweeds, which is a movie that, you know, doesn't really exist, if we're being honest, as good as it might very well be. Um, And then Jim Carrey not getting a nomination for Man on the Moon is, you know, is just, but Sean Penn gets it for Sweet and Lowdown, which was also a comedy or musical performance. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all kind of, blurry and weird that's all i'm saying it's yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm not necessarily disagreeing with you kenny that it's that it's obviously a thing that everyone watches it's a thing that people go like huh i think it's a thing that sometimes can get people to and by people i mean academy members to watch the golden globes and then be like huh i'm gonna watch that tumbleweed screener yeah, now because she, because she was. and i think that's totally fair and that's what it that's at its best, I guess that's oh, what it's doing. And I want to make one more point yeah. before I s- see the floor to Eric because he's been standing, he's been sitting here so calmly. <laughs> As I said last year in our Oscars prediction podcast, Oscars mm-hmm. are not about what's actually good. Oscars <clears throat> are about the narrative, mm-hmm. and the Golden Globes is a huge part of that narrative. And I'll tell you one other thing. You hear this on the on the Little Gold Men podcast all the time. It's an audition. It's an audition. Oh, you mean the speeches? Brad Pitt was auditioning to give an Oscar speech last year, he for was, instance. He was. And he we was. felt I think we felt that with all all the winners were were all very predetermined last year. And I think we felt that with all four big winners, that they were all giving their their audition to win Oscars that they will not embarrass the Academy or whatever it is. And I think that's real too. 
Definitely the actors, for sure. Talk to me about the Golden Globes and your history and your feelings about the Golden Globes. All right. I'm like Francis McDormand, the Oscars. I got some things to say. Um, <laughs> no, but actually before before that, I just do, I wanted to hit on a couple of points that you had made. One about Bohemian Rhapsody uh, at the Globes and its success. I think its success at the Screen Actors Guild was much more impactful than the Globes because that is actually an industry that votes on on the Oscars, too. And when that got an ensemble nomination, you're just like, okay, well, here we go. Yeah, this is this oh, is real. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> so think we're doing Gre- it. <laughs> I, yeah, I think Green Book is is the film that was boosted by the Globes because this was happening. Its wins happened after the big controversies mm-hmm. uh, around that old tweet, and and it didn't matter. They just pushed through anyway. And it kind of, I think, gave the Academy the go-ahead to be like, okay, we can do it too. Um, And I was going to mention something else, and now I forgot because you talked for so goddamn long, Kenny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Damn it. I did have something else. You'll come back. You'll come back. Oh, yes, The Post. The Post actually got seven Golden Globe nominations. It was a massive. I was totally wrong. Hit. Because I remember Liz, Liz Hanna was nominated, too. Yeah, so, it didn't yeah. win anything, and it only got the two at, at the Oscars. But uh, it was that was one of the really neat examples where are you going to take those seven nominations that it got and run with it for your predictions at the Oscars? Or are you going to look at all of the components? And and that was that was a pretty fascinating example of that. Um that was also a really that was a tough year too. 2017 was like a kind of an embarrassment of riches in terms of how many great films came out in that year, so it felt like yeah. Yeah. I think I think with the Globes it's it has been so really really easy to ridicule them because they have had so many very open and uh uh obvious controversies and bribery and I mean Sharon Stone's <laughs> gold watches. You, I mean you could you could really just go on and on and on <laughs> and everybody will always bring up the tourist getting in comedy yeah. just to get Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie there. And that was, can, can you elaborate the, on Sharon Stone's gold watches? I don't know that story. So they, they don't, you, you can, you can send like gifts and like special <laughs> screenings and dinners and stuff to members uh, as an individual and trips too right can't yeah, you send them on trips and yeah. trips um God. what a game. and some of that stuff still happens today <laughs> with some studios and some uh critics groups that i won't mention uh they're a very choice group but sometimes i just don't like to mention the actual name um and so that was pretty common and it was it was a seen as bribery but it was it was not really cared about because at that point people weren't looking at the golden globes as that serious of an organization. Yes. They had been around for a really long time, but their reputation preceded them on, on their behavior and what they allowed. And that started to get stricter only in the last decade. And they really wanted to change their image and they 
reduced the amount of things like that of gifts and trips and 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 all of these things they still allow a lot of swag and all of that but that they have made an effort to to change their their reputation a little bit and i think it has worked even it's not about you know if they picked green book and bohemian rhapsody and and what we think about those films uh because they did fine at the oscars too it's it's removing the like the tourist and 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 movies like that from their nomination list because you know they are old fashioned star fuckers but they still nominate the martian for comedy <laughs> so like yeah and that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic about the definition of comedy and drama and what they allow and what they don't and what a studio will submit and try and submit and see if it'll work uh, I, I think there was like a really great example when Fox Searchlight had three billboards and uh, The mm-hmm. Shape of Water, and they could have submitted three billboards in comedy and really s- split their ability to earn more awards that night. But they didn't. They went for drama for both, and both did really, really well. And it was a risky strategy, but I think it was an honest one. Yeah, I was glad to see that because The Martian was not really an honest strategy at all. It's not really an honest body. I think like (laughs) I I, like I think that no, I think that's that that is true. And I think that's part of the charm of the whole thing. The the weird thing about the the goal, as I said earlier, is like it really, really does matter for about a six week period. Um. But they're not canonical, right? Only a little bit in the last, like, maybe five to ten years, if you have a weird situation where you have a movie where there are three Oscar winners and a fourth person and they won Golden Globe, they won a Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Limited Series six years ago, will they say, and Golden Globe winner. But for the most part, these are not canonical awards. Um, And that's kind of interesting to me, too. Right. You have this big award show that people remember. We're going to talk about moments from 99. I think everyone will remember. Um, But nobody really cares that so-and-so movie won the Golden Globe, particularly one if it's music or comedy and they didn't go on to win the Oscar. Um, Or two. La, or two, <laughs> right? For yes, um, or two if they didn't go on, go on to win the Oscar in general. Though there is like this kind of weird, you know, alternate history of best drama. Like for instance, uh, Sense and Sensibility won over Braveheart, and like that is like a, that that is a nice little, you know, mo- nice little uh, uh, alternate, you know. 1995 where you go yeah. back and you say maybe this actually was the best the best movie that year so mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's kind of funny to me about the globes and, and it's part of the reason that i really like that we're doing this and want to do it not so much because i want it to be canonical but because i do think it does offer like a different version of 99 mm-hmm. that is more expansive and frankly like it's better than what the oscars did this year like it just you know it is a better group of movies especially when you consider 99 is probably the greatest like individual year in i mean i still say that in like decades decades 
99 is great. And still, yeah. with all the great things, the Globes and the Oscars still went really basic. Yeah, whiffed, yeah. It's it's interesting, too, Kenny, to your point about the, the lack of canon, if you will, because it's like... You know, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys do this. I certainly have done this in the past. There'll be times where I just want to watch an Oscar acceptance speech or see a moment when someone won or a movie won, whatever. I have never done that with the Golden Globes. There has never been a moment where I've thought to myself, huh, I want to see that Golden Globe moment. Now, I know there are moments, right? And we're going to talk about some of them in this episode. But like to your point, Kenny, that the flag just doesn't plant deep with the Golden Globes. You know what I mean? They just kind of, they exist for, as you said, six weeks, and then they kind of disappear. It's it's interesting. And, I, and, I think I think with the I think with the Globes, you can get some really good speeches when when there's somebody like unexpected that wins, right. and, maybe, and maybe they drank too much because they weren't you know expecting <laughs> to win, or you know like the very next year with Elizabeth Taylor and Gladiator, which is. There is not like it's like a that's like a top ten awards moment of all time. It is pretty fantastic. So there's you can get those moments, and there there were a couple of them with with yeah. this year. Yeah, Jack Lemmon yeah. and and Bing Rames and that whole thing. And the the yeah. one yeah, which is amazing, an amazing moment. Amazing. I remember watching that. But the 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 one the one thing that gold the Globes does is not action. I think we'll talk about TV as well, but it's it's. Because they come before the Emmys um, by quite a big margin, right? They basically, you know, they've always kind of honored the fall season of uh, new TV shows. They've been really instrumental in anointing new stars and and sometimes new shows, less so for new shows, though it happens – but you know, year after year after year, from America Ferrera to Rachel Bloom to all these young actresses, they'd give them the award and give them their their shining moment, and that would really put that actress, usually an actress, on the map. And that's not without value. <clears throat> it so, is. I but, mean, but they also kind of treat it like a one night stand, and it's like, here's your award on the on the dresser. Close the door when you leave. That's then true. It's it's one and done. Yeah. That's true. That's that, that. It is kind of an alternate Miss Golden Globe history as well. <laughs> it's weird sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I think there's also. It's funny you bring that up, Kenny, because and we'll talk about this in more depth as we get to uh, as we get to the television winners. But you know, Sex and the City and Sopranos both doing very well at this at this Golden Globe. You know, at these Golden Globes, those, you know, Sex and City's in its second season. Sopranos had just premiered. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is a big deal for both those shows that ultimately the Emmys are quite slow on the uptake for. I mean, it takes four years for the Sopranos to win Best Drama uh, while the West Wing continues. I was going to gonna say up. it's it was a unique situation just because the, it's, West, it's, it's interesting. the West Wing was like. You know the platonic ideal of an Emmy winning sure, show. Sure, so I'm, good. I'm, not, I'm certainly not dogging yeah. it. Of course, just, I know you're not. Yeah. It's just an interesting kind of schism, if you will, between these two bodies that kind of existed. You know, I, I I should have done this, but I'd be curious to see if The Sopranos continued to win Best Drama over those years um, while the Emmys were going to the West Wing, and I, you know, I could find that out, obviously. But I'm just you know, it's I just will. interesting to see that sort of that. 
you make a really good point, Kenny, that on the TV side of things, the Golden Globes are really sort of weaponized to shine a light on a show that might not be getting people to pay attention on this off cycle of the television awards cycle, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, you know, seeing Carrie Russell win for Felicity was a, was a big deal for a WB show, you know, that, you know, those don't generally get many awards. Um, then to your point, Kenny, Rachel Bloom with uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, like there's really nice moments where the Golden Globes have been like, pay attention to this show. Like this thing is real. Yeah. And in that way, it's, it's a really great, it's a really great thing. There's it's, this is actually an awesome year to be talking about this for television because, Mm -hmm. uh, not only do the Golden Globes and the Screen Actors Guild work on calendar years, uh, versus the Emmys, still archaic, ridiculous September to to May, because the sure. Sopranos had just debuted that fall. It wasn't yep. going to be, you know, into uh, the Emmys until much, much later. So the Globes were able to jump on that train much earlier. And mm-hmm. you also mentioned Sex in the City, both HBO shows. This was before the Emmys were keen on rewarding non-network shows at all because they knew that once they started doing it that they were going to lose the grasp of network shows and as we can see just from this year alone it's it's gone um and it's it's really one of the most fascinating things when something like the globes or or sag is able to jump on early and Mm -hmm. beat the punch to the Emmys into an actual industry group and, you know, sort of look like the cooler kids. And it's, this is a perfect example of that with Sopranos. Uh, One thing with the Sopranos though, Sopranos actually debuted in January of 99. Of 99. Yeah. So Sopranos, the Emmys did have their bite at that apple. They did nominate them in 99 and they did, they, they, they kind of actively chose to be stuck in their old ways yep. instead of nominating, you know, or giving the award to the most groundbreaking show in the history of television. Um, yeah. I think the Gold Globes, Yarek, you might know this better than me. I think the Globes kind of started this a little earlier when they gave Michael Chiklis a best uh, acting, mm-hmm. nom- acting award for The Shield. Mm-hmm. And The Shield doesn't get enough credit for what it started because um, the thing that the shield did that the Sopranos didn't have to do was legitimize basic cable for so long. Basic cable was silk stockings and basic cable was retro diary. Well, that wasn't even big, big, but Pacific blue and the stuff, La Femme Nikita and all this like garbage that would never be considered (laughs) awards worthy. And even the, the, the shield looked pretty good. To use Phil's word, janky. Um, but <laughs> just shield, my words. Though. The Shield is the greatest fucking show, and they 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 planted their flag on that and kind of made it okay for uh, network for other award shows and for Hollywood to start taking basic cable seriously. And yeah. a weird. So there's one other thing I want to bring up about the um, about the Globes that I think is interesting. Uh, that you know, people outside Hollywood might not necessarily understand, or 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 get, but you might infer it if you thought about it for a little bit. Um, when I was uh, on Entourage 
in like the mid 2000s. We got nominated every year. And that meant for um, for that one night, we got invited to the big kid party. <laughs> right? So for one night, we were taken seriously. We were in the same – I never went to the awards because I wasn't like a producer. But we went. We were in the same room as them. We went to the same parties as the movie stars. So for, ver- for before TV kind of eclipsed film, and I would argue it hasn't ever eclipsed film, but before TV even got in the same conversation as film, there was this moment around 99 through about 2012 when it was the night – it was – TV's big night. It was a bigger night in Hollywood for TV than the Emmys. Um, maybe the Emmys meant more to the winners, but for people in Hollywood and the t- on the TV side, the Golden it was it was always held on the day before. Um, uh, it was always held on a Sunday, and everyone took Monday off because it was just it was over for TV. So that's an interesting thing too. The it's the one award show combining TV and film, or not anymore because you have the Critics' Choice and all that. But it was the one award show co- combining TV and film that was taken somewhat seriously by the uh, by the Hollywood community, and it meant a lot to TV people to be in that room with the De Niro's and the Nicholsons and the Julia Roberts and you know Meryl Streep's and all that, so. who are now all on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, that that's a really great point because one of the one of the neat things too like you said this is the combination of film and television stars together in a really great way and the golden globe ratings are always much higher than the emmys they pretty much always have been mm-hmm. so for a lot of these tv shows and again especially if it's a new one or something on you know wb or cw this is going to be the first exposure for a lot of viewers of these performers and of these shows. And it's a huge platform for them. Huge. One last thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, please. Uh, even though transparent and everything around transparent has proven to be not quite what we wanted it to be. It was a huge moment for trans acceptance when transparent was nominated when Jeffrey Tambor won and when the show won, right? That was a big moment. That, that I think that signaled to a lot of people outside of New York and LA and more liberal places that it's okay to watch this show and test these waters. I don't, I don't think people, I, I, I think it's, no one, no one thinks about that or remembers that now because for a lot of reasons, everyone knows the reasons why transparent yeah. is problematic at this point. But at that moment, that was not a small deal. So I think they did that a few times. I would also say, too, that um, not to in any way uh, lessen what you just said, because it's incredibly true. Um, It was also a big moment for streaming. Um, Yes, it was. For Amazon to to win that award um, several years in a row. It was it it, it legitimized Amazon. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think they won first right like they i don't did. think netflix okay yeah. so they were the first streaming network to win a golden uh-huh. globe for what that's worth and then i um, think hulu was the second with handmaid's correct, tale with, I don't with handmaid's tale they were the first they probably were the first drama Emmy. yeah drama for sure um i don't believe that netflix has won one for a series no correct. Not, for a series yet. not yet mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting because you know it, it's 
you know, the more we talk about this, the more groundbreaking I see the Golden Globes as being. <laughs> and perhaps it's more... Particularly it TV. Does, I was going to say, it's more in TV than it is in movies. Um, but... And, and part of it is the cycle, and part of it is the fact that they kind of get to break the cycle a little bit by where they're placed in, in the awards um, races and all of that sort of stuff. But, yeah, like when you talk about you, – you think about Transparent, you think about Felicity, you think about all of these shows, Sopranos obviously, where you're just like they're taking big swings and they're basically using the power they have, the megaphone they have, to be able to say you should – acknowledge and watch these television shows this is this is something that that you're that you're missing out on and i think that's really impressive eric am i crazy or did like did did like party of five win one year oh my god are you gonna make me look look it up now i think (laughs) i think a fox show like party of five won one year uh i think that that seems possible i think maybe well i mean again that's just kind of one of the cool things about uh the Globes is is their willingness to embrace new things where in, in, in 1996 has, has not been. Did it? In yeah. 1996, oh, yeah. Look, at it won, yeah. Look at that. Yes, it did. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think that the most glaring one specifically to this year is, is the Soprano Sex in the City sort of one-two punch mm-hmm. of it winning best comedy Sopranos winning best drama, uh, Sex and City winning best comedy. Um, you know, I, I would just want to take a second to kind of talk about that um, movement, if you will, because I was living in Canada at the time, so I didn't have access to HBO in the way that you guys had access to HBO. So I'm curious to kind of ask you guys what it was like to feel that and to see that wave like happening. To see the industry, like to see a, a, a seismic shift happen in terms of the way that people talked about television, the way they watch television. Um, you just, and speaking as someone in another country without access to this channel, for me to be up there and all of us were just chomping at the bit to see these shows as soon as we possibly could. What was What was that like? And to see the Golden Globes kind of being at the tip of the spear of that. Eric, you want to go? Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because I sort of felt like I was at the cool kids table like the Globes were with it because, I, I mean, I had had HBO for a while and I watched all of their shows, but a lot of people that I knew didn't. So I would tell them and talk to them about shows that they hadn't seen. And so I, I was kind of always felt like I was talking into a, a, a void and <laughs> <laughs> even, even with something like the Sopranos, because people would just be like, Oh, I don't have HBO. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry because you're missing some really awesome shows. And then you have an award show that's recognizing them in mass. And I kind of felt like, well, see, you know, I'm justified. <laughs> so yeah. you know, to you. <laughs> And that that was kind of what it was like. It was yeah. it, it it was a weird like pat on the back kind of cool feeling. Yeah. Do you feel like this was? And I don't mean to put it all in the Golden Globes because that that seems to be giving them too much credit. But 
what's the turning point? Like, I know, is it, I know the Sex and the City, you know, had season one, which we all kind of ignore because it's not very good. Um, but season two, and then obviously it's subsequent seasons, but the Sopranos felt like a lightning in a bottle from the jump. Here's what Am I, I crazy in that assessment? No, not at all. And here's what I think is one of the key factors with this, with any awards race of any kind. And that's when you have really two horses and you get to be on Team West Wing or you get to be on Team Sopranos or you are on Team Network or you're on Team Streaming, whatever it is. Each year kind of brings these, these fights uh, right. or challenges, whatever, all relatively good natured, uh, where you get to, you get to be, you get to have something you're supporting. I don't watch sports at all. So I imagine that this is what it's like too, where it's like, you have your team <laughs> here and you have your team here and you know, you guys hate each other and love each other at the same time. And you kind of just will yeah. razz each other and whatever. And it's the same thing for this. And and I think that is what creates like a really cool vibe and a really fun element about this, at least as a viewer, as somebody on the sidelines. If you're in the middle of it, I don't envy it one bit because it's nerve wracking and tense and scary and disappointing and all of these things if, if it doesn't work out. But as a viewer, it's really, really fun to to have essentially your your team and the thing that you're rooting for and and this was this was a really great example of that with west wing and and sopranos it it marked an absolute sea change that was the beginning of of the move from network to to cable and all that yeah, I, I want to. I'm just since we're since we're talking about this, I figure let's just talk about this for a second. I just want to walk through the the nominees for uh, best drama and best comedy for television, just so we can have a sense of the landscape that we're talking about here. Uh, the nominees were The Sopranos, ER, Once and Again, The Practice, and The West Wing for drama. For comedy, it was Sex and the City, Ally McBeal, Dharma and Greg, Spin City, and Willing Grace. So you <laughs> you are really getting a sense of broadcast is obviously the name of the game right you of of your 10 nominees eight of them are broadcast television shows and and they are broadcast television shows er west wing you know will and grace spin city like these are these are very broadcast shows um and as the years progress we see less and less and less i mean i think that forgive me if i'm wrong but what the last show this is us was the last broadcast drama to be nominated for best drama yeah last yeah. year um, and it missed out this year so, Phil, anyway you, yes you yeah. know because you're in this industry and you've been in this industry for like what i consider to be the most you know um the most dramatic change the most dramatic sea change we've undergone over the last week Phil and I both started, I believe, in like 2005, right? Mm -hmm. We both started UTA in 2005. So we had a unique kind of perspective on this. Um, In 2005, we both worked in TV Lit, and 80 85% of television jobs were in network. You have staffing season in, you know, March, April, May, June, and that was when the agents did basically all of their staffing work. And furthermore, 
getting staffed on a cable show or even a premium show was a backup, even for your best writers. And I can take that a step further personally. When I was uh, up for the writer's assistant at Entourage in 2006, that was not considered a good job. The reason I got it with such little experience was because nobody really wanted it. There was not a – people liked the show, right? Don't get me wrong. Like this was, yeah, yeah. this was well into the HBO renaissance where people understood that HBO was good and cool. But it was a 10-episode season or a 12-episode season. There was less money. There was less prestige. Everything about it, even at HBO, kind of felt less than going and working at Bernie Mac, which is like, which was like at the time the pinnacle or working at Malcolm in the Middle. Like these were like yeah. the top, top shows that you could work on at that point. So I know that sounds crazy if you haven't, you know, if, if you weren't in the industry in the last 15 years, but that's the way it was. So what you're talking about with these nominations, and I believe in both situations, it was for yep. broadcast and, you know, one shining example of, you know, cable yep. premium mm-hmm. was where the industry was at at that moment. A show like Spin City as, as at, or Darman Greg's a better example, as fine as it was, was considered about as good as you can do. Uh, I mean, you had a couple, you had just shoot me getting some Golden Globe nominations. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's really interesting. And, and, you know, Kenny, we'll we'll talk about this, you know, when we talk about the Sopranos and West Wing, perhaps in more detail down the road. But I I really do think that 99 is a fulcrum point. It's a, it's a fork in the road. It's the real moment when you can see television having a massive sea change. It's, you can pinpoint it to those two shows. Like literally in the same year, you can point at The Sopranos and The West Wing and say, this is when people, to your point, Eric, were like, I'm Team West Wing. I'm all in on West Wing, which I love and I have nothing against The West Wing. But then you also had people that were looking at the horizon with The Sopranos and saying, but that's where we're going. I mean, you can, you can, you can hold on tight. And, and rearrange the deck chairs uh, on broadcast broadcast Titanic. But the reality is that's where it's going. And that must have been such an exciting moment. I mean, I, I, I wish that I had – I mean, it must have – I bet people will look back. It wasn't exciting. <laughs> no, really. Like it wasn't exciting. It was, it was scary. Um, it, it's always scary to be part of an establishment – to be to be part of an establishment and see change creeping up like it's it was scary back then i think and i think your point about west wing winning over and over and over again speaks to that it was scary that these naked swear word speakers would (laughs) be able to take over your television and that goes beyond that obviously like but that was scary for people right And to the point, like, you know, my story is my story about Entourage is like more instructive than just like it was like the ghetto. It was ghettoized. It was treated. Everybody wanted everybody to believe that this was a lesser art form. Mm -hmm. So you didn't go there. I take this a step further because we've seen the two massive uh, sea changes in our life. Phil, we saw broadcast to cable which I think everyone kind of was comfortable with to some extent pretty quickly. Uh, and we saw cable to streaming, which was a different story, which we're actually still playing with. Right. And I could take that. So, so furthering my, my history, 
as a person who gets, you know, shifted off, sh- sh- sent off to do the new shit. Uh, like I'm like the canary in the coal mine. Uh, one of the first jobs I went for after um, Entourage was a show called Betas on Amazon. Does anyone remember that show? I remember Betas. Yeah. Amazon launched with two shows, Alpha House and Betas. I don't know if that was on purpose. Um, when I got sent to Betas after not getting staffed in staffing season, I thought my career was over. I'm like, I can't believe they are asking me to go do a fucking web series for Amazon. How embarrassing. When it was called a web series at the time. A web yeah. series? Oh, everyone thought it was a web series. And, right? and that, was, that, that, that was like, that was a, a That's a moniker. That was, yeah. That is a denigration, Brutal. 100%. Yeah. I remember my agent saying, you know, they're doing some exciting stuff. I could see this being, I, I remember him saying this. He's like, I could see this being like an HBO moment with Larry Sanders. And, you know, and I'm just like, you're crazy. Amazon. <laughs> Like, this is so embarrassing yeah. for you and me. It's embarrassing that you know about this. You, should, you, you, should, you shouldn't even be involved with this fucking shipping company. So uh, yeah. so from that moment on, now Beta's obviously didn't go on to be much. But from that moment on, I've never turned up my nose at any new media. As well, Phil knows. Eric, uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Eric, I, I, I want to sort of take this as an opportunity because I, I want we, – we, to our listeners, we will get to the Golden Globes, but this feels like a moment for us to to talk about streaming for a second because I feel like we kind of need to talk about it. Okay. And I think what's interesting, putting it next to the, the the cable revolution, is that you you highlighted something really important, Kenny, which is that there was a moral component yes. to the broadcast cable transition which was that all of a sudden fcc regulations didn't exist mm-hmm. all of these things didn't exist and, all, and you could have violence you could have sex you could have drugs and those were the things and i would argue that still to this day plague cable which is that they get to be edgy and cool as opposed to being perhaps as rich and complex as they can be i think that there's i think there's a there's an unfortunate sort of um, chasing of a dragon of like cool factor as opposed to trying to make good television. But putting that aside, the difference between the cable to streaming change is that now we're talking about a distribution model. We're talking about the way people watch television as opposed to what they're watching. And that's a, that's a significant shift, obviously for us on a business platform. But I want to talk, I want your thoughts on the sort of, giant ripple effect that we're feeling right now during a pandemic as we're seeing a bunch of movies that are being streamed as opposed to being released in theaters that we're seeing things sort of changing in the way that people uh, take in this content mm-hmm. and the the sort of the fallout from that and what that could mean for the future it's a really fascinating moment right now and i think the the pandemic all but highlighted underlined bolded, italicized every single thing that was already moving in that direction in terms of how we consume entertainment. Uh, It, it was fortuitous for Apple TV plus and Disney plus to debut last uh, fall and winter because they had then tons of content, original and old stuff. 
And then you still have obviously Hulu and Amazon and, and Netflix that have things that are just continuing to come out. So that put regular studios who were already at a disadvantage there uh, at a huge disadvantage. And they continue to struggle with what to do with their releases. They don't know what to do. Their model is broken. Their model is archaic. They don't have a way to now return their $200 million investments on something like Tenant, which would never get, you know, plopped down on HBO Max. But it's this is going to be the biggest sea change turning point, I think, for studios in, I don't even know. I mean, honestly, I really think it will be the biggest move, the biggest change since, like... Sound? Sound? Yeah, I was going to say sound. I was going to say, like, (laughs) uh, widescreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. when television had taken over right, right, right. the movies and movies had to do something to bring people yeah. back and widescreen became that thing. And it worked. It worked really, really well. Um, and do you remember like letterbox VHSs, right? Where you get like a, a 235 on a square screen and half your screen goes black. You kind of they- got that. You, you know how many? A little bit. I used to work at video stores and manage video stores for a really long time. And I would literally have the argument every single day with somebody. But I'm missing half the movie. And I'm like, no, you're actually no, seeing you're all getting the whole movie. movie. <laughs> Fucking knucklehead. <laughs> I know. I had the same. I had the same problems. Plus, you oh, also had like aspect ratio, you know, arguments with people where it'd be two thirty five or it'd be one. Yeah, it's it's and, yeah, anamorphic, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh, geez. Yeah. But yeah, so I think I think this year, I think this was coming anyway. Uh, but the pandemic absolutely right. just pushed that needle as far as it could go, and we've yeah. only seen the studios kind of experimenting a little bit with it. Uh, Universal doing the first sure. really big one with Trolls, and they say it's a big success, and that's fine. Uh, we now have... <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. If, they, if it is, it is, whatever. Who uh, knew that uh, Trolls World Tour would be the movie that we'd all point to as the uh, sea change? Exactly. Uh, but they, they did it actually again with King of Staten Island. And now, as we, we know from the news yesterday, uh, they have a really fast VOD deal with AMC now. So they are jumping ahead of every single studio right now, which seems a lot of them seem like they are very much in the weeds. I would not want to be working at Warner brothers or Paramount right now to save my life. Well, Paramount for sure. (laughs) You never want to be working at Paramount. (laughs) I've done it. I, I've done I, it three times. I will, be, <laughs> I, will, every time. I will be shocked. I'll be shocked if Paramount is not bought within the next year. Yeah. So. I bet. I mean, Netflix could buy them tomorrow. Yeah, like, they already I mean, they already took their Chicago Seven yeah. movie. So yeah, why not? So it's crazy. Yeah, I, should we dive into the awards? Or? I want to. Yeah, before we do it, I want to do one thing, yeah. and I sure. want to I want to run through for you. The, mm-hmm. the shows that have won best drama at the Globes to give you I an idea. Okay. I'm going to go back to like 1980 something, but just to give you an idea of like the kind of shows that, yeah, yeah. that they, they 
nominate. And frankly, like if you're someone who's looking to write TV and look at the history of the TV of TV, I think this is a better list than the Emmy winners. So uh, in terms of canonization, last year's succession. So just going back, the Americans, the Handmaid's Tale, the crown, Mr. Robot, the affair. These are all more interesting than what you normally get from the Emmys. Breaking bad, Homeland, Homeland, Boardwalk Empire, Mad Men, three years in a row. Grey's Anatomy, Lost, Nip Tuck, 24, The Shield, Six Feet Under, West Wing, won once, The Sopranos, The Practice, X-Files won three out of four years, the other one was Party of Five, NYPD Blue, Northern Exposure Twice, Twin Peaks, China Beach, 30-something, L.A. Law. Um, so a much, much, much more interesting list. What's, much what's, more what's, interesting the, list. what's the thing that you notice most about that? Because the thing that I notice most about that is how few shows repeat. Repeat. Yeah, it's me like, too. Oh, it's like new, 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 new. And the show that re- the show that won more than any in that list, the X-Files, which didn't win one Oscar. I mean, one Emmy, right? So there is yeah, something the to this. Yep. Yeah. For series, there is something to what they do there that is more forward thinking, a little more transgressive, a little more exciting than giving it to West Wing four years in a row um, or giving it to Mad Men four years in a row. All right, like, and don't get me wrong, like West Wing and Mad Men every year. I'm fine with those, those shows winning awards. They're, they're A pluses. But I do think it's exciting when you don't really know. And if you have to every once in a while have the affair thrown in because they're trying shit out, it's mm-hmm. worth yep. it. And by the way, like, you know, no knock on the affair. Like, the affair is different. Like, that's a different thing. Yep. And when you look back at TV in the 2010s, it's worth looking at something like the affair or something like Homeland, which I think is like, you know, actively bad. So. <laughs> Can I, I'll just say this though. I I remember when the West Wing, sorry, not the West Wing, when Mad Men was up for its fifth best drama, and there was talk of was this going to be the show that actually got to five? Because no show ever has. Um, and having this discussion with my roommate, who was an enormous Mad Men fan, I'm a big fan of Mad Men as well, but she's next level, and. I remember having the discussion with her and saying, like, I don't want it to win five. Like, it, I, someone else needs to win. Like, you got you to gotta change the guard. Um, and, of course, she wasn't having it. And then it ultimately lost to, I think it was Homeland, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, maybe it, it was, was Homeland. It, was, it yeah. was Homeland. See, I'm, I'm totally on the opposite because I love, I love history. I love stats. I love records. I wanted it to break L.A. Law and Hill Street Blues and stand on its own. Because it would, it would clearly probably be a very long time, if ever, uh, yeah. for that stat to be broken. So I, I love history. I would have, I would have <laughs> rather had it. Look- I, I love that we can have this conversation, right? Like I love the <laughs> fact that, and truthfully, like I, I, and I, I have nothing against Mad Men. I think the show is oh, it's a a plus. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Um, but it, it's to, to Kenny's point. Reading that list of of those Golden Globe winners for best drama. I, I gotta say, I'm pretty fucking floored by it. Like, Six Feet Under is still probably my favorite show ever if I had to pick one. The fact that, you know, it never won any Emmys, any Emmys, really. Um, 
but it won a Golden Globe for best drama. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting to nip tuck on there. Like that mm-hmm. list is varied and interesting and shows the spectrum of television. The problem with your shows winning four years in a row or Frasier, which won what like twenty years in a row or whatever. Like, <laughs> I think it was four, pro- right? But. I don't know. It was so. It felt every year. And Modern Family, which did actually win. And Modern Family, right? Which is like there there is something to be said for the fact that like you know repeating is impressive, right? But you know to use a sports analogy, you know your 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 three peats or your your teams that win over and over again. I get when you're a fan of that team. There's nothing better, right? Like you want your team to win every fucking year. Like why wouldn't you? Um, But it's also you know not fun for every other team sure. <laughs> to watch. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I, it's what it and is. And one other thing about the list, Phil, like to your point, you have the nip tucks and you have the, you know, you, you have these kind of, you know, more out there choices, but they didn't, it wasn't at the expense of the yeah. West wings of a show like 24, which won an Emmy of a show like lost or a show like um, the, these, these kind of tentpole network shows. Sure. So you still were, you know, LA Law was on there. The practice was on there. You're, you, you still are able to kind of get the breadth of television and what TV drama could do in a way that the Emmys really almost never gave you. I know they gave it to Lost once, but for the most part, you look at the Emmys for um, best drama and you're looking at your cops, your lawyers, and your doctors um, with the occasional you know, bizarre, I think 30 something one, one year, right, Eric, but correct. Correct. But yeah. occasionally something like that would sneak in. Yeah. So, um, you know, since we're talking TV, I figure let's just, let's finish up on this TV side of stuff and then we'll get to the movie nominations and, and really get into the meat and potatoes of the globes. But, um, you know, your, your, your best actor, uh, in a drama series, uh, and in comedy, you had James Gandolfini for the Sopranos, Billy Campbell for once and again, Rob Lowe for the West Wing, Dylan McDermott for the practice, Martin Sheen for the West Wing. And then you had for comedy, Michael J. Fox for Spin City, Thomas Gibson for, for, uh, Dharma and Greg, uh, Eric McCormick for Will and Grace, Ray Romano for Everybody Loves Raymond and George Siegel for Just Shoot Me. Whew, that comedy is a, that comedy category is real murderers right a lot of funny man um (laughs) 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 a lot of funny man a lot of funny um funny we're here with and then on the thomas gibson (laughs) (laughs) hilarious i hear he's a real joy to work with um and then on the on the uh actress side best actress you have Edie falco for the sopranos lauren bracco for the sopranos amy brenneman for judging amy juliana margulies for er Celia ward for once and again on the comedy side, Sarah Jessica Parker for Sex and the City, Jenna Elfman for Dharma and Greg, Calista Flockhart for Ally McBeal, Felicity, Felicity Huffman for Sports Night, uh, Heather Locklear for Spin City, and Deborah Messing for Will and Grace. Those are kind there's, of those are your nominations. There's funny lady Heather Locklear. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> they did a good job. These are the right yeah. winners. These are the right winners. So I'm going to throw <laughs> a wrench into this conversation. I love it, it because it's something we haven't addressed or talked about yet and that is the sheer and utter whiteness whiteness all of these nominees all of these show winners all of them every single one of them the closest would be rami malik and and uh mr robot because he's egyptian but that's it this is an extremely white lineup and has been 
And it's one of the things that awards can do is obviously shine lights on things other than what we see all the time, uh, whether it's nominations or, or wins. And when it's a, when it's a win, it's a really delicate balance of like when Viola Davis won the Emmy for how to get away with murder. She was the very first black actress to win lead actress in a drama series. And that was, you know, 70 years in. So there's a really delicate balance between celebrating the, the firstness of it and blasting the fact that it's the first. Yeah. And, and I mean, Obviously, in 2000, yeah, we were probably going to get largely white nominees at the at the Golden Globes. But even when you you just listed all of the drama winners up until last year, they're still all white shows. They're all white led shows. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you you have Halle Berry winning Mm-hmm. Um, at this Golden Globes um, for uh, for best uh, actress, actress in a, a miniseries. miniseries, yeah. Um, and you know she is understandably very emotional when she when she wins, and 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 perhaps even more emotional when she wins the Oscar two years later. Yeah, talk about um, an audition. This is an this yeah. was the audition because her speech yeah. is like really similar. It's and 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 very powerful. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, but not to take anything away from what you're saying, which is that, you know, diversity, oh, uh, you know. But I do want to I, I do want to con- also comment on what you're saying, Eric, because there's yeah. also a delicate balance between how much the awards have to burden that and how much mm-hmm. the industry has to burden that. And yeah. within the last like yes, five to ten years, it started to feel more like wake up awards givers you are missing the great performances because there are a lot of actors of colors actors of color or directors of color who are who are or writers of color who are giving award worthy performances mm-hmm. not to say that wasn't true then but we've encountered this on the podcast over and over again there first of all there's not like a single movie from 1999 a single mainstream movie with a black female lead. No. Yeah, right? It's, they, it's it, embarrassing. It just, so it just didn't exist then. And there are very few with black male leads. And you're talking about like, you know, your Will Smith and Denzel, but you're also talking about black led movies made by black filmmakers like The yeah. Wood and The Best Man, which are still, you know, led by black, by, in the case of both, both those movies, four black men before you have a black woman on the, on the um, title card, on the credits, excuse me. So in this case, this is to me a TV industry problem, way more than a Golden Globe problem in 99. Um, the Golden Globes, and again, not to really defend them, but it wasn't as if they didn't nominate and give awards to people when they were there. Um, Andre Brower won for Homicide, for instance, in uh in 98 so two years before this mm-hmm. um and again it's kind of notable for what an exception to the rule it is how few black leads there were on network television um and then recently they've done a much better job um sterling brown won billy porter run rami won 
Um, you had Jeffrey Wright nominated. You had uh, ooh, that's the best I can do. Um, sure. <laughs> and then as we're seeing now, we're doing this a day after the or two days after the Emmy Award nominations. I think the industry is doing much better in terms of representation, um, particularly a network like HBO, which has six, seven, eight black-led shows right now mm-hmm. uh, or this past season. And I think the awards are getting a little better in terms of recognizing these these performances. But obviously, to your original point, it's 2020. You know, we could have yeah. been... we. we you know, I mean, it's. The, I think the Golden Globes is probably very proud of themselves for giving Bill Cosby a couple of awards for, um, for not, Maybe not, not for so the, much now, but yeah, not for the Cosby Show. For uh, what was the show he was in um, when he? What was the show he was oh, in? God, was that called like? Was yeah, it the Cosby Mysteries or something like that? It was not called the that? Cosby Mysteries. It was called I Spy. So he yeah, won three awards know. for I Spy in the late '60s, and I'm sure they're very proud yes. of themselves. But it yes. means nothing if you don't uh, if you don't follow up. So yes. just but like no, Steve Poitier winning, winning for Lilies in the Field, and then you're yeah. having to wait another fucking what thirty years before another black man won Best Actor. It really exactly. doesn't mean that much. You bring up a really good point, and it's a very chicken in the egg scenario. Where yeah. is it the is it the awards that need to recognize you know non-white work or is it the actual producers and writers that need to to give the opportunities to get to that point and it's kind of this this circle it keeps like chasing itself and it started mm-hmm. really with awards because it was the most it was extremely visible. When you saw, you know, pictures of four people holding Oscars and they were all white, it really underlined uh, that fact. So it began with awards as as being the the problem when the problem really is the industry providing the opportunities for shows and performances to get nominated in the first place and be taken seriously as awards contenders. So it's that that is changing. That paradigm is changing, uh, but it did really begin with the the criticism of awards. I mean, and that was only just five years ago. That was just Oscar So White that really kicked that off because mm-hmm. nobody really, it's not that they didn't care, but nobody made a big enough stink about it. And social media really set the bar for that to be able to happen. This, this wasn't happening before social media. There was not uproar about, you know, everything being white. So that, that also you, helped. Can I, you Sorry, heard yeah, it. You heard it. But you're, you're right. It reminds me of gun control after every school shooting, the, the two days of thoughts and prayers and then no action. Because I remember you would hear it over and over again. Uh, this this happens in sports too with coaches and GMs where you would hear it over and over again. We have a problem. We have a problem. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And nothing happens and people ignore it. And I, it was, um, I, be- I believe the person who started Oscar So White was April Rain. That's correct. And April Rain started this hashtag and it really took off and it really affected the industry. And it's like, if I mean, just to run down the shows on HBO, I mean, you have Insecure and Watchmen, which which was a black led show, and uh, the show with Cynthia Revo, and, I, yeah. and I and uh, it goes, I mean, even shows black like Black Lady Sketch Show, 
Black Lady. I was going to say even shows that didn't work, like Black Lady Sketch Show or <laughs> Random Acts of Flyness, so or like they like the the fact that a show like Black Lady Sketch Show, Random Acts of Flyness, which which didn't get a second season, didn't mean the end of Black Television on HBO is huge progress too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but but look who was actually ahead of the curve with with black shows. It wasn't network. It oh. was UPN. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the WB. And all well, they all became, you know, the versions of that. But yeah, that's that's what it was. It was it was these kind of it wasn't the main event. It, it was it was the opener, essentially. Uh, the same way that like, you know, you've got Universal Studios and you have focus features. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that. It's the same company, but or, you know, for screen gems, which is like, you know, yes. explicitly black film, like there, yes. which, you know, and, and I think you're, you're totally right, Eric. And what, what's actually exciting about this moment is it's, we're, 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 I have a black writer, I have a black writer friend who talks about the black discount and the black discount isn't so much what it is. It's not so much that he's getting paid less than his white, you know, colleagues. It's that when he writes a movie, uh, he has to factor in that because he is black leads in this movie, he's going to get 30, 30% less of the budget. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, what was happening with these UPN, you know, Fox, then WB, then UPN shows. That's not happening anymore. I mean, it's happening. But when you have all these big shows on big premium and streaming outlets, or, you know, for instance, like Gina Price, Gina Prince Blythworth getting um, The Old Guard, yeah, you know, which is a big movie, things like that, that are getting big budgets. Now we're actually inching towards something that's starting to look like parody. Now, we're not there by a long shot, not saying we are, but these are the steps that we needed to take. Not every once in a while giving Louis Gossett Jr. best supporting actor and saying, look, we did it for the 80s. We're good. Yeah, like, like, like Crash. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One one of the the big well, components of this too is the concept and the idea of self worth, though, because when you are constantly told that your work and your value is not the same as somebody else, and we literally told black people mm-hmm. that they were three fifths of a person, when mm-hmm. you are constantly told that your value is less, you will see yourself as less. So you will ask for less. You will 
You will take less because you have been systematically told that you are less. And we are seeing, again, a paradigm shift where black creators and not just black, we have to include Latinx and, and, and Asian. Every, every non-white component has been able to speak up and ask for what they want and yeah. what they are worth. And that's a big change too, because when, when you are the holding the purse strings and you are the gatekeeper and you have not been addressed and confronted in a way that goes, you know, against the power that you have held, then you're always just going to have that power over everybody mm -hmm. else. But when that, when those gates are stormed, you have no choice. I feel like this is actually a good um, transition point. I, I want to talk about the the Denzel Washington uh, component mm -hmm. of this of these Golden Globes, and so he he's nominated and he wins uh, for Best Actor for The Hurricane, and he then gets nominated again uh, for the Oscar, but he loses the Oscar to Kevin Spacey for American Beauty. Now I haven't seen the hurricane i have to admit and we are obviously going to cover it at some point so I, I can't speak to his performance necessarily but i want to kind of speak to denzel washington on a, on a kind of more macro level because it does feel like a similar thing happens to him for um fences and ultimately losing the oscar to uh another uh perhaps <laughs> a criminal uh in <laughs> in casey affleck um so it, it's 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 interesting to see this sort of this dynamic, you know what I mean? He he is is arguably uh, the biggest African American actor in Hollywood. Um, he continues to get all of these nominations, and yet to a certain degree, he struggles with the Oscar. Um, he has two of them, so it's not as though he's you know been unsuccessful. But you know, look at Kenny and I t have texted about this a bunch because I, I I watched Malcolm X again over the last in the last I don't know probably two months or so. How he loses the Academy Award to Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman, as good as Al Pacino's performances might very well be and him deserving it for his career. It's just interesting that he seems to be a bridesmaid a fair amount when it comes to the Oscars. And I'm wondering if, and, and, and looking specifically at, the, at these Golden Globes, you have to ask yourself, you know, is it that the hurricane wasn't a movie that got enough acclaim? Was it not, you know, was it just not... Was was American Beauty just a tidal wave movie that there was just no way to stop it, and that and that Kevin Spacey just essentially rode that all the way to an Oscar, his second? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, so this is ninety nine. This is after Denzel Washington had won his supporting, but two years for Glory, yeah. two years before he actually won his lead. Uh, and the Hurricane was also nominated for Best Picture at the Globes, where it, yes, was, it was definitely not. Uh, at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, he's never been BAFTA nominated. Ever really? For That's anything. fucking insane. It's That's super insane. It's, wow. it's so, it's so hyper specific. How, like, how do you, how do you choose <laughs> to not pick him considering everything that he's won everywhere else? Um, it's obvious the Brits are the Brits are frauds, but go it's, ahead. It's, I'm telling you, it's crazy. They're fucking 
frauds. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is so this is an interesting category though for the Globes because again, we have to put everything in context of the time that it was. Uh Kevin Spacey was not a big star. It was a big movie though. Richard Farnsworth not a big star. This was like here's your single souls yeah. you know. Yeah. Nomination. What is Matt Damon? Matt Damon was. Matt Damon was already an Oscar winner at this point. So he had, I guess, the most street credit here. Mm. Uh, Russell Crowe, this is before Gladiator, it's before Beautiful Mind. So he was rising in his fame and popularity, but he was not there yet. So Washington kind of makes sense as somebody that they really like. Uh, somebody that is already at the top of their game. And unlike television, where they like to go with new people, this was mm-hmm. a bit of an establishment win in in a way. Um, Nomination? Well, well, his, well, he, his, well, he wins. His win. He wins Best Drama. He, he won Actor. He, Holy Denzel shit, he won Actor. Yeah, he beat... He beat <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> Whoa, he won actor. Oh my god, I didn't realize yeah. that. All right, so cool. so this this was yeah, this was kind of a a a, a cool thing for them because the Oscars yeah. didn't do the same, but the Hurricane did not perform in any way that you know American Beauty it, did. Yeah, it's it does feel like you know, and 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 not to not to beat the point, but when you see the same thing happen in is it twenty sixteen? I believe that's when Fences is, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, that that's you know Fences and and uh, Manchester by the Sea. Um, you know, you see a similar sort of thing, which is that you know the Golden Globes, for what it's worth, do take swings. Now, they have a broader field because they get to have this musical comedy mm-hmm. category. You know, so they have another uh, an, another lane. So more movies are just getting recognized, which is great. Um, but it, it, it definitely feels like if you look at the drama side of things, it's kind of it's sort of a mirror, quite frankly, of what happens at the Oscars, give or take a Denzel. But the movie that really seems to kind of turn everything is Cider House Rules. Right, well, it's Ripley. Before we go into, before we keep going, and we we okay. feel we feel the way you feel about Cider House Rules, as you know. Oh. <laughs> um, Fuck that. Uh, before we before we go into that, I want I want to weigh in on Denzel too. Now yeah, that sure. I know he won. <laughs> um, <laughs> Denzel Denzel is Denzel is to Eric's point very clearly the most establishment cad- uh, candidate here. Um, in the most established movie here, um, it is it is not in any way a trailblazing movie. Right. This is a movie about an incarcerated black man, directed by a white guy. It's it has it has trauma porn aspects to it. It has uh, it has there's one right there's one right way for a, a black man to be aspects to it it has a guilty before proven innocent a guilty until proven innocent aspect to it um the story of ruben carter uh is pretty amazing don't get me wrong and nothing against denzel's denzel's performance but this is the movie that hollywood has made about black people 500 times so and this is the movie that hollywood is very comfortable telling about black people this is these are the movies that 
we don't need, frankly. Like these are the movies we don't need anymore. Um, we are we have tons of these, so I'm not particularly impressed by this win mm-hmm. or by what the Globes did here. Uh, the other thing that like I just kind of like want to reiterate about Denzel and the Oscars is it is all about fucking narrative. Like it's just all about narrative. I mean, sometimes the narrative is lightning in a bottle or he came out of nowhere or this performance was just too unbelievably good to ignore. But a lot of the times it's, you know, it's Casey, it's Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck's younger brother. We didn't know we had it in him. You know, like a lot of times it's things like that. And in well, Denzel's assassination of Jesse James. I mean, if anybody saw that, then they would. He was, and he, I think He's he was. He was nominated for that. But, you know, right. But, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. But that's. But still, like, you know, <laughs> um, but for Denzel, like Denzel won a narrative Oscar. So Denzel has an Oscar <laughs> because he was overdue for other Oscars. And I, you know, you know, the way I feel about training day, like. That was a supportive performance, so he should have been in another category. But uh, sorry, Denzel, like, like you supported the protagonist of that movie. My yes. like, but he has a narrative Oscar, so I don't feel like he's been particularly fucked by the Oscars. You know, like in a no. way that, like, frankly, like I think Tom Hanks is the guy who, like, I can't figure out why this guy has been nominated or been nominated once in the last twenty five years. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Denzel is just you're getting into some some dicey territory for us white guys to talk about this but denzel but 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 then denzel is the is the for the last 25 years the black actor that hollywood has allowed in the party um will smith a little bit but denzel is the more amazing moment to me was when jamie fox crashed the party because Jamie Foxx doesn't come from I did, did Denzel go to like Yale Drama School or um Denzel is a Denzel is a you know classically trained actor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx is also classically trained, but Jamie Foxx came from In Living Color. It's just yeah. a different story. It you know? Story. So when Jamie Foxx came and when Forrest Whitaker came, you know, an, another guy who like does not look like a movie star and kind of, you know, kind of yep. gutted it out in the way that, you know, mm-hmm. so many actors have in your F. Murray Abraham type ways. Those are the Oscar wins that excite me a lot more because Denzel won it because like they, he's been at the party for 15 years and they said, we haven't given it to this guy yet. Best actor. I mean, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, I, you can't underestimate yeah, the power of the biopic too, because three of the four Globe winners for movies here are real life true. people, and the only reason that actress in a comedy isn't is because there aren't any that are playing real life people. Well, Meryl, Meryl's yeah, playing a real not, person. No, apparently. no. In in oh. in comedy, so Reese Witherspoon, Sharon Stone, Julia Roberts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Are are yeah. all fictional characters? Yes, yes. Sorry, and then, and then of course, the black actors that you mentioned that that won biopics, biopics. As well, yeah, because yeah, that is just except for, except for Denzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really it's 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 very interesting. Um. So I, I want to just take a second here to told you I was going to throw a wrench. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, we welcome it. I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I think that there's an opportunity here. You know, the, the big discussion, generally speaking, when it comes to Golden Globes versus Oscars is 
the differences, right? Because there are obviously a lot of similarities. And, and if you look at these nominations, a good chunk of them basically go over. I mean, your best drama, uh, actually two out of the five are, were not nominated for Oscar. End of the Affair and Tom to Mr. Ripley both, uh, were changed to, um, the Sixth Sense and everyone's favorite, The Side of Hers Rules. Um, so I want to take a second here. We're not, we don't need to relitigate because we did two hours on Side of Hers Rules. So there's no reason to do that. But, I do think that it's worth noting here the absence of the Cider House rules pretty ma- – in, in a significant way. Mm-hmm. The only nomination, as far as I can tell, is Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I got a screenplay nomination. Any I would take it a screenplay. Any loss. Um, so – any loss. So there's a, there's, there's a moment clearly where the tide starts to shift and the town starts to turn on Ripley and starts to get on board with Cider House rules. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what happened to there? say or – Sorry, go ahead, Kenny. No, what? I, that's a yeah, that's question. A, yeah, what I, happened? I, that's there? my question too. I, I'm beginning to think, and I know I've stressed this before, but I just wonder if it has to do with how much money Miramax stood to make off of Cider House Rules versus what they stood to make off of Ripley, because Ripley's a co-production with Paramount, and Paramount was the domestic distributor. My, I just think that it ultimately came down to. Harvey going all in on Cider rules and people just fucking listening to him. I, and, I don't know. And my, and my it's thought, also gay. I was going to say, my thought, is, my, my thought is the gay themes overwhelmed it and Cider House Absolutely. Rules falls squarely into the into the right. white, white straight man's perspective on marginalized people. Mm-hmm. A, a, a you know a a liberal white man's perspective on marginalized people makes all the white men feel good about themselves. But isn't that what it is, Eric? It's it is. I, it's, I'm sure. I'm, through, I'm sure that's what it is. Is a pre Green Book. There's a part of me that's like in my brain. I went to raging capitalism, but homophobia is absolutely a totally also fair thing to say. Yes, but but um, to your yeah. point, Weinstein, uh, and we can obviously talk about him in a, in a little bit. Uh, clearly, did yeah. make a strategic. A more a strategic choice and it's an i don't i'm not going to uh, applaud him but it's an impressive choice to see that cider house rules did not do very well here and still go ahead and go with that and it paid off exactly as mm-hmm. his strategy wanted to Exactly. Yeah, he's a piece right. of shit. He's a piece of shit in a lot of ways. Like if you No, in all point, of the ways. Yeah. In all of the ways he's a piece of shit. <laughs> right. Even that's, the right yeah. things he did are shitty because Yeah. Type that's the point. Mr. Ripley's a better film. He's like <laughs> Much he, better he's film. a piece of shit in all the ways. And I think people don't necessarily realize that. Because talent <laughs> to your point, talent Mr. Ripley is not only a better film, it's like it's black versus white it's good versus bad it's this is a binary thing so like you have a good movie and a bad movie they were both his and he had the opportunity to take the movie that did better at the globes better among critics um with more exciting attractive stars like people you want out there in front in front of the world presenting your movie not to mention all oscar oscar winners or nominees two oscar nominees two Two Oscar winners Great. at the top. Blanchett's an Oscar nominee. You know, you have like f- yeah. future nominees all over the place, future winners. Like this yep. movie is fucking bulletproof, mm-hmm. except for that it's gay. Yep. And that, but that's a big deal that he had the opportunity yep. to push the envelope forward. This totally. guy 
has never actually pushed the envelope forward and presented it as if he always was and was mm-hmm. he, like it's the, the most underrated aspect of what Harvey did and you hit on it Eric was he fucking played the press so well he yeah. had them convinced he was the guardian of literate elite cinema and literate elite art. liberal thought art. and art yeah. This this mongoloid, this (laughs) this fucking this fucking what what are they called in the uh, in in the time in the in the time machine? The people who live in the underground. Oh fuck! What are they called? Yeah, hold on. Those motherfuckers. Oh my god. He is he is a she is a baby eating monster. Yeah. And everybody (laughs) in the nineties was convinced that he is Art's great hope. Look at the '96 Oscars if if you want further proof. He's a Morlock, is what he's he is. He's a Morlock. Wow. He is a Morlock. He's a baby eating monster. He's a fucking Morlock. And I'm serious. So, like I, I would. Talk I know you about, are, I know, Eric. I know. If like if we ever do like off brand Oscar podcast, I could talk about those '96 Oscars all fucking day yeah. long. Well, can, I Good. do think that it's interesting though, because just to to piggyback on what you're both saying. The, the 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 fucked up part about Ciderhouse rules, and there's a lot of things that are fucked up about it, is that it also is is pretending to be a progressive movie on top yes. of everything else, right? Like it's it's pretending to be, you know, this this pseudo pro choice. It's more insidious than that. It's not it's, it's not yeah. pretending. It thinks it is. Like yeah. it's sure, sure. That's but the all, scary but all, part. All movies like this do that. Crash did that. Green Book did that. Yes, where yes, the per, yes. their personal perception of what mm-hmm. they were doing mm-hmm. was so self-absorbed and self-important. Mm-hmm. And then when we actually saw it, everybody saw what was really going on, and just were like, "Yep, what the fuck?" So what did so what this, did yeah, go ahead, Bo- what did Green Book beat that should have won? I can't really Roma. remember. Or anything, Roma, Black Klansman, Black Klansman, literally Roma, Black anything. Klansman, um, th- those yeah. are really good examples because the piece of shit I took that morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good example, though, because anything. because these really these really bad movies. So it's interesting because Green Book won on the heels of Moonlight, and yes. also beat you know Black Klansman and Roma, and I mm-hmm. think A Star Is Born. Um, yeah, Black Panther. Yeah. I mean, anything. Black Panther. A bunch of really interesting you know. movies that are actually moving the needle yep. forward. Um, and then you crash. Obviously, beat fucking broke back. Mm-hmm. So, like another movie that, like, clearly, you know, was pushing everybody forward. You know, they got held back. I wonder what Crash came off the heels of. Um, that was two thousand four. Oh three was was Return of the King, right? Yes. Yeah, but but oh four was a uh, million dollar baby. Interesting, um, because that's a fucking movie before. that that's a movie that's about some shit people don't want to talk about either. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's yeah. a movie that that's a movie they probably felt pretty fucking good about themselves for too. They always take this massive yeah. step back. Wait till you see what wins this year after Parasite. Wait till you see what wins this year. It's gonna be yeah. like it's gonna be like it was gonna be like a fucking Trump biopic. <laughs> so this feels like a good time to talk about uh, best actor in a comedy, if for no other reason than Gwyneth Paltrow is the presenter for this award and starts her presentation by saying, it's not the same without you, Harvey. What does that mean? What do you think, guys? I think he was sick, if I'm not mistaken, because if I remember correctly, one of the reasons that the that the Oscar race was what it was 
if I'm not mistaken, um, was that he was sick with something. Because I remember he couldn't push as hard for the like for Cider House rules in the way that he apparently wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I think he wasn't actually physically at the awards, which is he, he why she said not. that. Yeah. Um, Gwyneth, you're better than this. <laughs> is she though? <laughs> I think she's better than that. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's a big. It was just. It was one of those things where, as it happened, I was shocked. Like as as it was unfolding, as I was watching, I was like, "That's fucking crazy." Am but I again, we're, to- look, we're looking at this with the lens of 2020, of course, of course. Uh, where everybody there would have been thinking the same thing. But that's also partially out of fear. Um, it's it's sure, absolutely it's it's twofold. I mean, he was a person that could absolutely make you a star and get you yep. awards, but you or others around would have to pay a, an incredibly severe price. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it did feel like the type of thing like there was like a sniper rifle like off camera <laughs> that, that you know what I mean that that was sort of pointed at her to say it, but still, you know what Gwyneth is. Gwyneth is to Harvey as Tom Cruise is to Scientology. I'm convinced that, that Gwyneth was picked from a very young age, I think, which we basically know, to be a massive movie star yeah, and was treated like a princess and then a queen by this guy. So and groomed, she probably, essentially. Groomed, that's right. And she probably really didn't know what he was up to. Um, I think, um, uh, or yeah, blocked I mean, it I, out in a Tom Cruise Scientology kind of way. But that's, but, that's I the, think that's yeah. the thing with Weinstein is that you either were a person that was abused by him, or you were somebody that never had to be. So you were physically and visually removed from that. So you never had to see it. It's, I mean, it's, Meryl Streep is an example of that too. And obviously, yeah. she was not the type of focus that Weinstein would be raping according to his history. So she she would not be a part of what so many women were a part of. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, Paltrow is already Hollywood royalty. She did not jump off the bus from Oklahoma. She was already in place. Yeah. She was ready to go. Yeah. 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 Um yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where she was definitely the biggest jewel in his crown, in the Miramax crown. Like she was turned into a star through Miramax vehicles. Yeah. Um it, it's 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 pretty undeniable. Yeah. Um so she gives the award to uh so the nominees for best actor in a comedy or musical were Jim Carrey for Man on the Moon, Robert De Niro for Analyze This, Rupert Everett for An Ideal Husband, Hugh Grant for Notting Hill, and Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown. Jim Carrey wins and gives kind of an awkward acceptance speech, if I'm being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Not an, it, it it wasn't it's not his best work. It wasn't, I agree. His, it wasn't his best work. Um there are a lot of it, weird it, speeches it, on in this. Yeah, it just it's one of those things where him and Renee um, seem awfully manic uh, just in in sort of their interactions with the press, Um, you know, and and then there's like the shout out to to Courtney Love that felt like it went on for all of eternity. Um, It's just it's just a very strange acceptance speech by a guy who 
I can't decide if he's – this comes back to what you're saying about auditioning, right? You're auditioning for your Oscar speech or you're auditioning whatever. This is not a great audition. This is not the type of thing that if you're an Academy member, you watch and you're like, I want this guy to get an Oscar nomination. And I don't know how much it hurt him, but it seems like it might have been a part of it. A couple of things on Jim Carrey. One, he recently said that uh, Renee Zellweger was his soulmate and the love of his life. Not in the, like a, I still want her kind of way, but just in like that was yeah. the best part of my life. And I, yeah. I mean, I, so I watched this clip with that kind of fresh in mind and I thought it was kind of sweet and I believed them. Um, the uh, and, and, you know, look, I... I agree. I very much root for Jim Carrey. He was in, he's been in so many movies that I love so deeply. Um, and I feel like he's very, um, he's troubled. And like, you know, people with mental illness, like, are always going to kind of be my guys. So, uh, and he, and I, I believe he tries hard. So, um, mm-hmm. he like tries hard to like kind of confront his demons and be the best version of himself. Um, the other question I want to ask you, Phil, is having seen we have seen all five of these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done all five of these movies. Who would you have given it to? I mean, I think I still probably would have given it to Jim Carrey. Um, I'll say this though: best musical or comedy. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced that Man on the Moon fits that criteria. I mean, it's about a comedian, and it has certainly funny moments. Um, but it's not a comedy. I mean, if, if I'm going to be, if I'm in my brain, I'm going to be strict about like musical or comedy. The best comedic performance of these nominees is Hugh Grant without a question, like without a doubt in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of a non-answer, but yeah. I agree with you? every word of it, though. I do, okay. too, actually. Yeah. This was, this was also when, when the, the Globes were uh, much more broad about what they again like we talked a little bit earlier what they considered a comedy uh you could you could do a musical biopic and end up in this category musical. you can't yeah. anymore right. right 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 well sometimes yeah. you can so, right yeah, like no that they, they it's it's now a pretty hard and fast rule if it's not if it's just a musical biopic where the the songs are a part of a performance then it's not huh. you have to actually the songs have to be things that you like break into uh, so as, as, it's interesting. I because I, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was drama, right? Yep. Which was weird. But um, uh, the Elton John movie Rocket Man was comedy. Yeah. That was comedy because musical. they broke into yes. his songs in the yes. context of the. Interesting. Okay, that's the exact right way to do it. I one hundred percent agree. Oh, me too. With, with them making that change. Me too. Because it was um, always so very awkward, and some musicals like it's always it was always very awkward when you had some very serious musicals like a like a Les well, Mis, for line. instance, Walk the Line, yeah, yeah. those kind of those yeah, kind of um, yeah. Ray. Obviously, they break into song, but even like it's it, musical and comedy is awkward to begin with, and then when you throw in a Walk the Line or a Ray, uh, yeah, it gave it's, it gave them a, a a really unfair unfair advantage over just a traditional comedic performance in a comedy film. Yeah, or like Toy Story. Um so <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um so just to to stick on the on the actor wavelength, uh best supporting actor, we have oh Tom God. Cruise for Magnolia. It's the same five nominees. Michael Caine for Cider Hurst Rules, yeah. Michael Clark Duncan for Green Mile, Jude Law for Talented Mr. Ripley, and Haley Joel Osment. So it's the same five nominees, except the winner went to the person who should have won. Um yep. in Tom Cruise. Um 
he gives a a Tom Cruisean acceptance speech if ever there was one. <laughs> it's it's so fucking awkward. This was this was in his like nonstop giggle stage though. When all of his interviews would be like this, which is this like super uncomfortable. It's like, I just got asked a question that I can't answer because Scientology or gay or whatever is going on. And I'm just (laughs) saying, but I'm just saying whatever's going on is going on. But anytime it would just turn into this like, (laughs) this evil, toothy, crazed laugh. And it didn't stop. And the weird thing about this is that you couldn't really tell what was inspiring his initial laughter fit. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, it's like, it's, it's his party trick a little bit, right? Which is that he knows that people like him when he's smiling and when he's laughing. So it's a little bit of a defense mechanism. So like, I think he was genuinely quite frankly, genuinely nervous. It's a bad party (laughs) trick. Um, But but I'll say this. um, And and he's such a good actor and such a weird man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it's, actors are weird, like, of I course. Think but, like, this guy, the, the 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 thing that is hard for me to square is he is nothing about him. Seems like a human being. Um, And yet, he's played some of the most three-dimensional human beings I've ever seen, <laughs> particularly in Magnolia. So, like, he's so a remarkable that- robot. Do you think that if Tom Cruise gave an acceptance speech at these Golden Globes like Brad Pitt did and tapped into what we love about Tom Cruise, does he win the Oscar? Yes. I mean, who the hell knows? But I just think he got up there and acted the worst version of Tom Cruise. It's just it's 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 rough. It, it, I can't help but wonder if it affected his Oscar chances. I think it, I, I never, I never thought of it before, or even bef- as you were posing the question, I thought the answer was no. But when you brought up the Brad Pitt thing, if he got up there, I mean, because the thing about Brad Pitt was, I don't think people always were into Brad Pitt because he's so elusive and sexy and cool. But I don't think anybody ever really thought he was that clever or that charming right. until he got right. up there. So it, or witty or witty. And I, and I understand that he was getting people were writing his jokes and he was open about that, <laughs> yeah. which is also <laughs> fucking charming. Yeah. That was pretty you great know? actually. So if, if, uh, if Tom Cruise showed another part of himself, yes, which he eventually did in Tropic Thunder, sure. but if he showed, which like, re- which really resurrected his career. But if he showed another part of himself, the way Brad Pitt did, he might have won. I, I think that would have been interesting. But don't you also think the Nicole Kidman component of his his, his acceptance speech was also fucking weird? Yeah, because they would be like, divorced like four on. months later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where he's just like, don't worry, guys, she's working. That's why she's not here. Yeah. She's she's on set. It's like, yeah. oh, come on. What was she making? What did she make in 2000? Bewitched? No, it's not 2000. Por- no, it's Portrait of... It was a Portrait of a Lady? I don't know. Is that what it was? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Practical Magic or something. um but yeah i mean i i just it it, it, i couldn't help but but watch that acceptance speech and just think like dude you said you hit the nail on the head kenny if you if you had showed up and acted like a human maybe maybe this would have worked she might have been shooting moulin rouge quite honestly she might have been shooting moulin rouge it's my girl there's there's (laughs) there's there's a couple of other things too is that the like the oscars are strangely not that warm to 
also rewarding uh, the the big box office mega stars and great looking people. That's yeah. It, it just it's not a regular thing. We think that it is, and I think most people probably think that it is. When Brad Pitt won, people thought that he had already won before. They did not realize that he had won Best Picture, but he had right. never won an acting uh, Oscar before. And yeah, you you saw it all the time, and that was that's a pretty common thing. And for a long time, Tom Cruise was clearly the biggest star, great looking, all that, ever everything. Um, I I don't I I can't imagine that the Scientology element was isn't a component. It has to be a component as well to a certain extent. I I do think that the Tom Cruise thing. Tom Cruise is such an outlier in so many ways. I agree that like movie stars, generally speaking, don't win that many awards for acting unless they decide to direct. And then you've got your Kevin Costers and your Mel Gibsons and your what have you's that can sort of change the narrative. Um, yeah, but they don't win show- for acting. No, I know. Yeah, totally. I yeah. Think Neither that, of them have won for acting. I, I think that there's another thing here, though. I yeah. think that they're hesitant, for whatever reason, to give career Oscars to supporting actors. Uh, mm-hmm. Seem to be something that they've avoided, and just a few of, and, and people in particular who are movie stars. A few off the top of my head, like one is obviously mm-hmm. Cruz in this movie. Another very famous one was Lauren Bacall, um, losing to Juliette Binoche mm-hmm. in uh, in '96 mm-hmm. for Mirror Has Two Faces and, and English Patient. That was that was preordained. People thought she was winning that. She didn't win that. Another one, more recent example. I don't even remember who beat him, but Sylvester Stallone won the Globe for mm-hmm. Creed. And everybody right. thought he was going to win the Oscar too. And there's just something about that, that they, they zig on that particular thing when, when you expect them to, there, there's been another, uh, there's been another recent example of that too, where you just, just, I, I mean, I don't know if you can think of any others, Eric, where it's, well, I was just going to say though, isn't it sort of funny that this year did the opposite and gave both supporting Oscars as literate, they were absolute career Oscars, but Kane had won before. Hmm. But Michael, no, Laura, Kane, Laura, Laura, Laura. No, I'm talking this year. This year, oh, year, this year, totally different. Where yes. Laura Dern and Brad Pitt, it was definitely a career cumulative win. Brad Pitt is is an exception. Laura Dern is winning for the category she always plays in. So <laughs> it's different. You know, it's, mm. no, it's different. Like, uh, like, yeah. um. Like yeah, James Coburn, you know, I don't feel like James Coburn. It's like if you're always playing supporting actors, you're going to win in the yeah. supporting actor category. But if you are quote unquote oh, I slumming see, I it, I see what you mean. If you're slumming it, like uh, like Robin Williams style, so yeah. often those people won't win. And Robin Williams only did because it was you know Got he was it. changing lanes from comedy to drama. Got it, right? Which doesn't work um, for everybody, like Jim Carrey. Yep. So uh, to switch switch courses here, uh, the best actress in a drama was Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, Annette Bening for American Beauty, Julia, uh, Julia Moore for End of the Affair, Meryl Streep for Music of the Heart, and Sigourney Weaver for A Map of the World. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the best actress uh, nominees yeah. and the... No, I guess, no Sigourney. It was Janet McTeer. No Sigourney. It was Janet McTeer, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, 
The movie that got a little bit more love here than it did at the Oscars was End of the Affair, which Neil Jordan gets a nomination as well for Best Director. We haven't covered that film yet. Um, I saw it in the theater, and I remember liking it quite a bit, actually. Um, And I'm curious to watch it again. Um, You know, it seemed like Hilary Swank had this locked. I mean, I guess there was kind of this narrative of, Hillary Swank versus Annette Benning, mm-hmm. right? Like it oh, felt yeah. like those were the two and it was like who was going to was Annette Benning going to finally win it? It felt like um and Annette Benning is fantastic in American Beauty. Uh, it's it you know, Hillary Swank's performance in Boys Don't Cry is is unbelievable and obviously well deserving of, of the award. Um so what didn't seem like there was really in my mind any question, but I guess there was back in 99. Oh, absolutely. Because Annette Benning had won SAG, which was only, you know, like four years in to the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, really? Uh, and she beat Hilary Swank. And people just sort of felt like that was going to be the the bellwether. Because, again, this it's an actual industry voting on an award versus 93 journalists. And, you know, the movie that was eventually going to be Best Picture <laughs> versus this teeny tiny tiny indie with no money for a campaign and annette benning you know like uh, annette annette benning not only was like kind of a movie star on the rise still like it's it's weird to say it but like annette benning didn't really even start a career until the early 90s yeah so like she was kind of new but she still had a had this feel of being seasoned she started you know came out real strong like bugsy was one of her first movies um with Warren Beatty, that doesn't hurt. You know, people like having Warren Beatty in the room too. Yeah. And like, she was the only good fucking thing about that movie. Like, she she's the to me she's the only thing that holds up in that movie, and she holds up so well. She she's yeah. I mean, I, I Annette Benning is one of those people. She first of all kind of got anointed as Hollywood royalty. Her and, mm-hmm. and Warren Beatty when they start when they became a couple, it was sort of like okay, she's you know there's a king and queen kind of component. Yeah, she's there the new Lauren sure. Bacall. Like there was like that idea yeah, yeah. of like totally you know Hollywood kind of allows for one old man to date one young woman, <laughs> and it was her for a while, and then it was you know Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones, and we just kind of let it yeah. happen one time yeah. and then before you know <laughs> and that benning is also you know she doesn't do a ton of interviews um but i do feel like whenever i do see her talk in interviews she, i just really like her she just seems incredibly smart she just seems very just very interesting and very thoughtful um i still think she should have won in the oscar for for um 20th century women i think she's absolutely incredible in that movie yeah. um but yeah it, it doesn't happen for her in 99 uh hillary swank just sort of runs away with or it. 2004 and or in 2004. Um, and then uh, in best... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <then> in, <laughs> uh, and then for musical comedy, best actress, Jenny McTeer for Tumbleweeds, Julianne Moore again for An Ideal Husband, Julia Roberts for Notting Hill, Sharon Stone for The Muse, and Reese Witherspoon for Election. I mean, I think there's an undeniable best winner there, and it was one that was probably not even considered, if we're being completely honest, which is Reese Witherspoon in Election. Mm. I don't even think that... I mean, she's in there. I, I, but I, inspired I, nomination, though. Ugh. Yes. I, yes. I disagree. I mean, it is an inspired really? nom- nomination, and I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Um, but the best movie star performance in the last 50 years was in this category, Julia Roberts and Notting Hill. So <laughs> if you want to see how to be a movie star, Julia Roberts, Notting Hill, like, 
you know that i love her in the movie i just you know no i know i know it's like it's just there's just something about like the fucking seeming effortless effortlessness of it like that's just what a movie star is to me um because that movie has nothing going for it except like being perfect does that make any sense (laughs) No, but I what, what I mean is like, I yeah. can't even understand how you marketed that film. I can't even understand. Like, yeah. I can't understand why anyone went and saw it, except that she was so luminous in it. And there's something about their chemistry that was just so perfect. Um, so, yes, I would have given it to Julia Roberts. Um I love her in that movie. I'm not. I don't. I'm not taking anything away from her in that movie. I mean, she's got Aaron Brockovich. Literally, she's shooting it as as this as at these Golden Globes. She's shooting Aaron Brockovich. So, yeah, know, she's coming. She's up. gonna. She's gonna take it home off yeah. of that. But um, it's a the Sharon Stone thing feels like she. Sorry, sorry. It's a spectacular example of the Globes not going with the big star and going with mm-hmm. the person that nobody knows because it's it's pretty rare. Uh, I mean, and then they did it with Hillary Swank too. So there's, it's just a really cool, crazy year of big, well-known names and absolute like newcomers, regardless of their age. Yeah, we we haven't done tumbleweeds. I have literally will no soon, idea what to make of this win. Um, <laughs> I do, I I do watch Ozark, so I I do know what Janet McTeer brings to the table to some extent. Which is quite a lot, but um, is, is she a comedian? I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it, can I can I just say too odd. that like you know we've talked about 99 being sort of this real kind of uh, a fork in the road for television, but to your point, Eric, you know, giving awards to Janet McTeer, giving awards to Hillary Swank, um, does show that this the, the the constant battle, if you will, battle might be dramatic between indie cinema and studio cinema in this industry. Like just seeing that push and pull that that seems like it will always exist in some form or another, and it's interesting to see it in these winners uh, from the Golden Globes. That's oh, I think Janet McTeer's win here is what got her the Oscar nomination. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, I'm sure. sure it is. For sure. That's, that's an example of that. And of course, this is this is the Sharon Stone watch year. So Oh, this is the watch year? <laughs> this is this is the year. For the for the muse for of the all muse. things. For and they our, our lost them. episode. They returned the watches. Well they did. She still got the nomination. Um so so I'm gonna I have to highlight something here, which I think is very strange, and I can't really figure it out. But there are six nominees in the Best Supporting Actress nomination. And then I went to look at previous Golden Globes, and I guess, periodically, they have picked six nominees for this category. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess there's a flexibility within the Golden Globes. I don't, think I, don't it's as, I don't think it's as weird as you think. I think with 93 people, occasionally you get ties. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm Fair surprised enough. there aren't actually a little more ties than the nominations. There was that year three people won best actress because there was a three-way tie like Shirley MacLaine. And it was, that was insane. It was ridiculous. So um, we're now at what I would argue is the thing that's probably most memorable about the 
76th annual Golden Globe Awards, oh, uh, which is Angelina Jolie wins for Girl Interrupted. The other nominees are Cameron Diaz and Catherine Keener, both for being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton for Sweet and Lowdown, Natalie Portman for Anywhere But Here, and Chloe Svengi for uh, Boys Don't Cry. Angelina Jolie wins and pulls her brother onto the stage with her um, because she wanted him to see the view from up there um, and gives a pretty rambly, weird awkward speech and then proceeds to bring him into the press line afterwards and kisses him many times over uh on the lips uh it's weird uh it 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 definitely um it's a moment uh i you know (laughs) i i don't it's it's i'll say this for angelina jolie because as it started the acceptance speech i was like okay what, what what are we doing here like what is this um is she under the influence of something like it just felt very strange yes but but then about halfway through she kind of locks into something and kind of starts to feel genuine you know the way she talks about winona the way she talks about sort of the 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 experience of making the movie it's i mean i i guess i can only sort of say that it feels like that acceptance speech kind of encapsulates a lot of my feelings about Angelina Jolie, which is, I think she's supremely talented. I think she's unbelievable, unbelievably watchable, um, obviously very attractive, but also just a, a, a thing I can't really understand. Like I don't really totally, there's, there's a chemistry going on there that is exciting and, and unknowable. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I think she was just at the beginning of, starting to work through a whole lot of a lot of shit um sure. i mean having john voight as a father cannot be easy he's an absolute <laughs> agree it's a really good way to put it uh <laughs> so i think there might have been just a connection with her brother that was so inextricable because maybe he is the only person that understood where she might be mentally because of their father and the industry. And I mean, I, I love to make fun of their weirdness and that he looks like lurch or <laughs> that weird, like <laughs> fish character in the X-Files that never saw light. And that's uh-huh. what he looked like. He uh-huh. was a, just an uh-huh. absolute yeah. freaking weirdo. And it only got weirder at the Oscars after this. Um, but she was working through some, some shit <laughs> and, <laughs> I think one of the fascinating things and one of the great things, again, looking at this as a retrospective is looking at what she did from that point on to her philanthropy uh, and adoptions. And I mean, obviously marrying Brad Pitt was like a huge thing and a big Hollywood thing, but what she's, and then becoming a filmmaker in her own right. And what she's done since then is a really you can track the path of somebody that's in the spotlight, but is absolutely not prepared to be yet. And Mm -hmm. she was like deer in the headlights. And if it was, you know, being on something or whatever it was, she was not there yet. She was not ready. And, and it took a long time for her to get there, but she is there now. And I think she is an incredible, incredible humanitarian and 
filmmaker and actress and human. For sure. I don't I don't mean to make light of, no, no, of no. anything that Make, you might have been going through, just to be is, clear. It's yeah. funny and it's great because it's totally <laughs> in the moment. Right. And it, and it is. And I haven't really thought about it like this until literally just talking about it right now. Is that I and I cuz like when you sent those clips, I I watched it again and that's that's how I started feeling. I was like this is hilarious and lunatic and crazy and what is going on here? And then I had to look at it from my 2020 lenses and where she is now. And, and this is, this has been a path for her and it's kind of fascinating, but I like making fun of it too. I think uh, <laughs> you, uh, you couldn't have said it any better. Um, yep. I like to pretend this moment and the Bobby, the Billy Bob Thornton marriage don't exist. Because I okay. love Angelina Jolie uh, so deeply. Uh, for all the reasons you said, Eric, I love her as a movie star. Um, I love her as a presence. I think she's brilliant. And I think she's you know kind of proof that, that talent and determination wins out. Um, not always, but often. And uh, I, I love her for that. But you can't these things happened this is where her story at least in hollywood yeah i think her story started with gia right gia it was started with gia because she also was a globe winner for that so, too and she looked spectacular and she was basically just a uh you know she was she was just a dress-up doll right like yeah. i remember watching that in nine i think it was 98 or 97 and my dad yeah. just going who is that <laughs> so you get the idea um, and then there, and, and I think, I actually think the, you know, the way she was objectified after that probably fed into the way she went into these moments. Yes, absolutely. I, that beginning part of her career is so necessary, as you said, Eric, for understanding who she is, where she came from, and just how steep of a hill it was for her to climb, yeah. um, uh, to get where she was. Um, I, she is not your typical. She is not your typical Hollywood royalty person. This is not. This is not Bruce no, Paltrow I, I, and 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 Blythe, Dan, Blythe Danner's daughter. This is John Voice, a strange daughter. <laughs> you know, let's, who, who we only yeah. claimed after she got famous. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this is not. This is this is not your typical charmed life. So, yeah, yeah, she could have yeah, nose died after this. Yep, totally. A hundred percent. I I think she's and and I hope I was clear about this. She's fascinating. I find her fascinating. I think she is unbelievably compelling and unbelievable unbelievably watchable. Um, you know, I, I Kenny and I have had this discussion. We had this discussion when we talked about the Oscars the last time. Um, she would not have been my pick to give the Academy Award to. No. Um tough year. You know, I I <laughs> It's a tough year. It's and I and we talked about this. That might be the hardest nomination. When I look at those five performances, uh, which just to to uh, to remind our audience, it's uh, Angelina Jolie and in Girl Interrupted, Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense, Catherine Keener and Being John Malkovich, Samantha Morton in Sweet and Lowdown, and Chloe Sevigny in uh, in Boys Don't Cry. Uh, I think they are all tremendous performances, um, and Angelina's would perhaps be in the bottom tier of them for me personally. Um, I would have, I mean, Catherine Keener's performance in being John Malkovich is the best, the pinnacle. It's the best. Um, it's not but, even but the best that, that was nominated, but okay. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, 
it's it's I understand why she got it. I understand that it was the kind of the 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 sort of a star anointed mm-hmm. kind of moment. Um, and I totally get it. Uh, and she is very good in the movie. I, I don't mean to take anything away from her performance in a movie that that I think is a lot more interesting than I thought it was back in '99. Um, but yeah, she's just she's a, she's a fascinating person. She's had a fascinating career. I'm sure it will continue to be fascinating. Um, so, and, what were her three movies know, I, this I, year? I, I, it was this, The Bone Collector, and guys, something else. It was a, in '99, '99, Girl Interrupted this and. Uh, hold on. Hackers was after you. this, right? I might be wrong. It might uh, just be the before. two. Hackers was before, before, this, before this, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, the performance was uh, Pushing Tin. Oh, Billy Bob so we haven't done that yet. We haven't done that one yet. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to do Pushing Tin. Yeah, she had a big year. She had, she had a big year. This is a breakout. Yeah. She never looked back. That's that's yeah. that's another component too. When somebody has a whole bunch of roles, and then you know, yes. the one becomes the the thing that everybody coalesces around. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just we'll just uh, switch to to best director here. Uh, only two of the nominees from the Golden Globes make it to the Oscars: Sam Mendes and Michael Mann. Uh, the other three Golden Globe nominees are Norman Jewison for The Hurricane, Neil Jordan for End of the Affair, and Anthony Minghella for Talented Mr. Ripley. Uh, the Oscar nominees, just to remind our our listeners, uh, were Sam Mendes for American Beauty, Spike Jones for being John Malkovich, Lassie Halstrom for The Cider House Rules, Michael Mann for The Insider, and M. Night Shyamalan for The Sixth Sense. Um, you know, a, a, a weird group of filmmakers kind of in its own way, and a bunch of them I think are deserving of of the limelight of the nominations. I was thrilled to see Spike Jones get a Best Director nomination, as was a lot of people were very pleasantly surprised by that. Um, Bummed that Anthony Minghella didn't make it to the Oscars over Lasse Hallstrom for obvious reasons. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think Neil Jordan and Norma Jewison are, are are both tremendous filmmakers and they're journeymen in a lot of ways. But I think M. Night Shyamalan's direction of Sixth Sense is tremendous and he absolutely deserved his nomination for the Oscars. Um, you know, Sam Mendes wins this. It, it's... It, it, it's so crazy to me how much American Beauty was just so obvious to so many people as like this is the movie. Like it, it made so much money. Yeah. It was such we've had our. It was just it was a it was just an, a, a, a phenomenon, which is so crazy to say. But I will say to to you you brought up some some things in that. Um, yeah. you didn't see almost any. Sixth Sense or Green Mile representation outside of Best Supporting Actor. Correct. Um, and those both seem like movies that the Globe traditionally would want to nominate. You would want Bruce Willis there. You would want Tom Hanks there, for instance. They're a little frothier. Um, Sixth, Sense, Sixth Sense is your is your Titanic movie where you want you know you want the, the you want the three hundred million people. Or three hundred million dollars yep, yep. worth of people to come and watch your award show. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's interesting that those movies were snubbed, and yep. a movie like End of the Affair, which you know no one saw, was not. Yep. Um, and in its place, and I, you know, the way I look at Six Sense is, if you love Six Sense, you should have it as a nominee. Nominee. You don't have to in order for me to think you have good film sense. 
if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I don't think, yeah, yeah. right? I, if someone had six senses, one of their five best movies of the year, I, I think there's probably a pretty good reason why. So mm-hmm. it, it, the M. of Shyamalan omission doesn't really strike me as, as like a, 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 a film crime, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like not a yeah. film crime, but almost like a commerce crime at this point. I think, sure, I think sure, the, the, sure. the Globes are not as concerned about box office in the way that, that the Oscars are. Because, again, you're talking about journalists versus industry. And when you have something like The Sixth Sense that is just such a massive hit and a, a surprise massive hit, and you have executives and producers and all of these these branches in the Academy that vote for Best Picture, you've got people that are saying, we, we, we like box office hits. We like things that break through. And so it makes sense as a Oscar nominee a little more than yep. a Golden Globe nominee. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the thing that's kind of the, the overarching thing that when I look at the Golden Globes versus the Oscars in this specific year is that um, there were movies that had momentum that seemed to stop. And again, I don't remember it, so it's hard to say. Um, you know, the talented Mr. Ripley's of it all. Um, then, you know, your, your Green Mile is getting a bunch of love on the other side of it when really they're basically being ignored here mm-hmm. um, is, is interesting. It just feels like it was American Beauty's year. Everyone had decided that that was, that was the movie of the year and that they were going to spread some wealth around and they hadn't figured out completely where that was going to land yet. Um, you know, whether it was going to be Denzel or, you know, whether or not it was going to be Hillary Swank, like Jim Carrey. There's just a bunch of like, you know, outliers that are kind of sitting there that they're just not really sure what to do with yet. Um, but I mean, overall, just sort of, you know, just looking at like, American Beauty's got six nominations. Ripley had five. Being John Malkovich, End of the Affair, The Insider had four. You know, these these were, you know, Green Mile, as we said, Green Mile and Sixth Sense are, are not even really acknowledged here. Um, so it's 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 interesting. And and I mean, perhaps we'll we'll never know why some things happened that did. I mean, none of the musical or comedy nominees get a best picture nomination. Toy Story 2 wins. Analyze this gets nominated with being John Malkovich, Man on the Moon, and Notting Hill. None of those five movies get a best picture nomination. Um, being John Malkovich which, was definitely in the conversation. The other four just for sure. weren't. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And this and this was um, uh what, two two years before the animated feature Oscar. Otherwise, Toy Story 2 would have been in that, clearly. Was Toy Story 2 the first animated movie uh, or first Pixar movie to win? No. Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. won Best Musical or Comedy? Best Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes? No, no, no. Oscar animated feature. No, no, no. What was – was this the first uh, Pixar movie to win Best best Musical or Comedy? I I wonder if the first one won. I know it was question. nominated. I don't know. I, that's and I know I it was 95. Um, and, and I think I've gotten in trouble on this very podcast saying it won when, in fact, I'm pretty sure it was Babe that year. It did. Yeah, You're I, right. Babe won. I think, so, I think Toy Story 2 Lion is King won in 94. But well, yeah. yeah. I mean, non, non-Pixar yeah. movies. I'm pretty sure yeah. B- B- Beauty and the yeah. Beast won as well. Um, yes. But yeah. uh, Toy Story 2 was the first But, yeah. you know, those, yeah. those are different. Those have, you know. 60 years of prestige behind it. So it's interesting that this movie, and their musicals. Already, 
And they're musicals. That's right. <laughs> but they're funny. It's also, uh, quite honestly, I'm just looking here. It's also the only Pixar film to win Best Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globe. So it's yeah. interesting, Phil. We obviously did a you know pretty exhaustive yep. dive into Toy Story 2. But it's interesting yes. that this movie of all movies is the one that won, considering yep. it was so close to being a direct-to-DVD movie. Yeah. Yep. It's it's you know I have to say not only is it a thrill to have you on Eric to talk about this but this has made me respect this Golden Globes telecast <laughs> so much more than I did coming into it. You guys saw how I came into it. I was, you know, perhaps a little bit brash up top. <laughs> but looking at it now, I'm just like are are the Golden Globes the best? <laughs> like are they I mean <laughs> like, there's something but, there. There, yeah, there's yeah. something there, there is. that that isn't that isn't insignificant. Yeah, uh, be, Eric. Yeah. It's it's yeah. before we go off because I gotta yes. know, as you know, Phil. Yeah. What? Oh yeah, no, I know where year? you're going with this, dude. I'm so I'm so stressed out. I was like, <laughs> I I I, yeah. I did like like March Oscar predictions, you know, right after the Oscars, like I yep. normally do, but it was like sure. right as the pandemic was like becoming a thing. And my whole thing was like, what is this even going to look like? What's going to happen? And then as it just got worse and worse and movies just stopped being in theaters and got, you know, pushed into different years, I I stopped. And I held off my predictions until July because I I didn't really see the point in saying, yes, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel will be nominated for Best Picture when, you know, now that movie is coming out in August or uh, October of 2021. And I'd rather just like kind of hold off a little bit, but I brought them back in July. I'm going to do, I think best director and best picture tomorrow as it closes out the month, but I have no fucking idea what's going to happen other than the same way that, you know, streamers and television have been able to kind of really, take advantage of everybody being at home and not being able to go to the movies. I think that's going to happen with the Oscars this year. And if Netflix can't win this year, my God, what is it possibly going to take? But again, they have way too many things again, way too many huge high profile projects. And when it was just Roma and that was like the only thing that was a, a clear and easy uh, strategy and it did really well uh, last year had yep. a lot of things and I knew what the priorities were ahead of time but those also changed and shifted a little bit as you know the globes came out and said yes we love the two popes um, and those <laughs> kind of just moved and morphed a little bit and and just like every year you know, what, what's going to dictate uh, the, the, the path and how impactful are the Golden Globes? And I think they, they were to a good extent last year. Uh, sort of to your point earlier about with Parasite winning, are we going to get like the most basic, basic like bottom shelf, barefoot wine, you know, version of <laughs> best picture? bottom shelf there is no more bottom than that Uh, that's so funny so i don't think that's gonna happen because all of the 
contenders that would be vying for the bottom shelf candidate are probably not going to be around. Even with the... Well, can I... Go ahead. Can I ask you a question about this? Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I want to kind of... So, Kenny and I both saw your tweet about yeah. saying that there should be no Oscars this year. Which, which, which by the way, like, you completely... Listen, you're completely... That's, that's, that's a completely valid um, argument. I had to follow um, up with it, and I will in a second with you. I, great. My question is this. You know, you said it best. Netflix is obviously going to be at the <laughs> at the front of the line this year because of the way that they release their things. And they must be thrilled. Um, but to your point as well, they have a lot of content. So my yeah. the thing I keep wondering is, is each studio going to pick one movie and say, this is the movie that we're going to go straight to VOD with or find a way to release so that we're not out of the Oscar conversation? And, and look at that film and say, the marketing budget of that movie would cost this amount of money. Mm-hmm. So we're willing to not do that because we don't think this movie was going to make that much money in the first place. And like go all, you know, is, is Fox Searchlight going to, or Searchlight Pictures, yeah. you know, are they going to pick their one movie? Is Warner Brothers going to pick their one movie? Um, I don't know the answer to this, obviously. And we don't know what any of this will look like in the top of next year and whether or not movies can be in theaters and all that kind of stuff. So who knows? Um but I just think that for normalcy's sake, for this desire to try to hold on to some sense of stability in this industry, I don't see a world where the Oscars don't happen in some form or another. But I, I'm interested in your yes. Okay, to your to your point, and we just saw the announcement yesterday uh, that the Emmys will not be a live in person event; they will be, be virtual. virtual. Yeah. That came the day after the nomination, so they already knew it was going to happen. They were just waiting for the nominations yeah. to come out. That's fine. Um, when I made that tweet, I did have to <laughs> clarify it later because I had a lot of people come in, including right. some directors and filmmakers that were just like what the fuck are you talking about this this is this this hurts little films and all that right and i'm like That's you're great. Ab- i'm like you're absolutely <laughs> right because when i when i tweeted that it was that was a moment for me that i had kind of given up this this is this is right after uh disney announced that they had been that they had pulled all of these uh 20th century films off of the calendar uh last duel and friends dispatch i mean all of their stuff and they didn't have dates or an idea of what anything was going to be and and that's with the extended eligibility into february and they still did that and it kind of it took me out a little bit and um I mean, I I largely rely. My livelihood is is Oscar revenue and stuff. So the change of this will impact me on a negative level in a absolutely devastating way. So when I said it should be pushed and combined into a year, that did not advantage me in any way. In fact, it it would destroy me. But it was a moment where I kind of gave up on everything and all of it. And I just said it publicly instead of saying it with my inside voice. Um, I don't regret it, but, <laughs> but it, it was, it was a moment where yeah. I just felt like, like nothing was going to happen and nothing was real. And, and because everything was changing every two weeks, it made it impossible to, 
yeah. uh, to know what was going to happen. And it was, yeah. it was, it was a bit of a dark moment for me. Uh, but through those conversations, both on the main and in DMS, <laughs> um, I, I wanted to come back and I wanted to clarify and I wanted to explain that there was a personal element to it that, and actually I did right after it, I did say that to some extent, but I wanted to expand on it a little bit more about what my intent was and what I meant by mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, th- I ultimately think that you're right and that it will be, it will continue in some form anyway. Uh, although, you know, I think ABC Disney just made such a big mistake of buying the rights to the Oscars for so long. I think they have it to like 2028. And it's like, yeah. what is TV going to be in 2028? Are you kidding me? It's like $50 yeah. million dollars a year to put on the Oscars. So. Okay. It'll be on. <laughs> what's, yeah. But, but, but what is it? So doing something yeah. virtual and, and, you know, removing all of the, the glitz and the glamour and the, the ratings and the commercials and the ad buys and all that stuff, which is such a big part of, you know, returning that investment, that's going to be gone. So how, how does that even work? I mean, for the longest, but I'll say this. the longest time I have wanted the Oscars to be instead of behind Shorter. the curve. No, no, no. I love long Oscars. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, Me too. I wanted them to be ahead of the curve and provide an online version, whether it's YouTube or their own site, where it would still have all of the ads and it would still have all of that that normalcy for them. Because then they would have been able to kind of take advantage of something like this a little bit quicker and 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 be ready for it. Just think of all the montages, though, guys. We're going to have so many montages. It's going to be great. It's going to be like I love montages. montages. I mean, Phil, do you even like movies? Eric, I have one more question. <laughs> and I'm going to, Eric, I'm going to, I'm going to direct people to your website. It's awardswatch.com yeah. for your July predictions. So I'm yeah, not going to ask you for them. I think that's rude. Oh, you can but, ask me. Well, I'm not going to ask because I want right. to ask for your March predictions. And then people oh. can go. People can go in July, or go to the the website in July to see yeah. how they've changed. But I, I yeah. do wonder what you thought when you first dropped that, dropped those predictions. I'll pop. Yeah, I want to know that too. I'll pop them up pretty quick because I have to say, well, actually, I mean, I started in February. March is March is when uh, I did um, because because the the Oscars were early this year and they were at the beginning of February. I I jumped right the next day and started doing you know the next year. For my favorite, my favorite thing because it's all narrative. I love it's it. so cool. Uh, yes. So let me let me look at my. This is from February twentieth, which is less than three weeks after the Oscars uh, and Parasite winning. And knee deep in the pandemic. <laughs> and this this was actually a little before because yeah, right before right before it. Yeah, yeah. let's see. Let me now. look at my. Uh, my yeah my write-up i don't even mention the pandemic in this because <laughs> it we didn't yeah, it wasn't a thing we didn't know yeah. to take it seriously enough at this point yeah. but between between this and march it was and then you know it's all impacted by that so here yeah. are my like 10 films uh okay. better better best picture contenders okay. defy bloods dune mank minari nightmare alley News of the World, Nomadland, On the Rocks, Stillwater, and West Side Story. 
And I can What's tell you more than half of those are still in contention. Some yep. very, very strong. And only one of them, Nightmare Alley, is almost not finished. Almost definitely going to be 2021 because <laughs> they had only finished like 46%. Yeah. And well, I feel pretty, so, I feel, I feel pretty yeah, good yeah. about those. And if, what's your, what, yeah. And you, right now, I mean, I, I think, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go I think you're going to ask what I was going to ask. Go ahead. I'll ask it. What's okay. going to win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's, um, I would say of, of those, of, of those nominees, it, it feels like Mank if I was to pick. And, and you, do, and you don't have Chicago seven on there. No, because no, I did not have it yet. Okay. Even though I, mean, I knew I it was, you have it now, but yeah. I knew it was Paramount, but we did not know um, any type of where it was in the shooting process. I mean, not enough. And sometimes I'll do that. Sometimes I will. I'll go ahead and, and have stuff in. But I was trying to pull back from putting things on that were so uh, so far off yeah. from what we knew that they were going to be. Um, because I just, I hate that. I hate having like a, a list of 10 movies and then in three months, only three of them are, are valid. It just kind of looks a little silly. Uh, I would say though, of, of the, of the batch that you just said, the studio movie, the one that feels like I could see that still getting released, even if it's a straight to VOD or something like that is news. That's the the one. That's what you think will win. It's no, but that is the that is exactly you are exactly in the same uh, mindset as me. We were just talking about Universal earlier, doing the whole trolls thing, and then King of Staten Island, and now the deal with AMC. They are ahead of the curve over any major studio. So I totally agree. I also think just to piggyback on it real quick, I think that with the success of Greyhound as well mm-hmm. having gone vod and how well that did for apple i think that on some level i don't think tom hanks is being precious about it he's just like i want my movies to get to people and that they need me in their lives right now and that's why yeah, he stared there. down COVID in his face tom hanks got to be the celebrity poster child for COVID, and it i mean it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, I guess, is the phrase <laughs> that you would use for that. Literally. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And I, I think I think he will be able to kind of carry that through uh, as, a, as a narrative, even though the narrative yeah. that people are going to have to carry through this year is two months longer than before. Yeah. It's going to be so, the latest Oscars of all ever. time, <laughs> except for the first one. Yeah. So what are we going to do next week, Phil? <laughs> yes. So next week, um, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for being here, Eric. Oh, we're, we're I was going to thank you at the end. <laughs> okay, cool. uh, next week, we're doing, uh, we're actually doing a movie that had a lot of Oscar buzz, but didn't follow through with any of it, which is Cradle Rock, the Tim Robbins movie, wow. which uh, has a stellar cast, mm-hmm. sh- should have been a player. It was his follow up to Dead Man Walking. Um, it was his blank check movie, really. You know, he went all in on this thing and whiffed. And I, no one, I mean, it's a movie that doesn't exist. Well, it was on <laughs> the National Board of Review's year end top 10. Was it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> which, you know, which, which was like fair. I mean, <laughs> but right. fair, 
but also like being forget it the rest of the list is <laughs> the rest of the list is like you know nine movies that you'd expect to be on it and this but yes, um right you know when you the i mean when, when when i was calling or trying to like pull from every every you know corner of the internet movies that counted 99 1999 is noteworthy of 1999 obviously every movie on that list was going to make our you know our cut and it was interesting mm-hmm. that this one kind of uh, forgotten Tim Robbins movie was sitting there, you know, alongside your American Beauties and Insiders and all Three Kings and all of those kind of, you know, uh, big yeah. time flicks. So um, it's a it was it was a thirty six million dollar movie that made two point nine of it back <laughs> starring, you know, uh, written, directed, produced by Tim Robbins. You know, Emily, Emily Watson, John Turturro, Susan Sarandon, Vanessa Redgrave, Bill Murray, John Cusack, Joan Cusack, Hank Azaria. I mean. It was a fucking big movie. Yeah. No one, no one cared. <laughs> so uh, that's what we're covering next week. Brian Cogman's coming on. Um, he's a big, you know, he's a theater major, and we're going to talk about you know the various sort of theatrical components of this film. Um, I'm excited. I've never seen it. I'm sure I'll be, you know, it's interesting. It's, but it's more than good. anything, I've seen it. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> Uh, it's a movie. It's a movie. Came out in '99. Who knows? I watched. Yeah, uh, I was. I wasn't in the best mental state when I watched it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, yep. Thanks so much, Eric. Ah, my pleasure. It was awesome. We, but yes, no. I mean, more. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Well, Thanks we've already. I, I. 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 Eric is a three timer now, right? Am I? Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. So we'd love to have you yep. back for anything, but um, I'm knows? the Meryl Streep yeah. of your podcast. You are, <laughs> yeah. but I want to be the Catherine Hepburn. Are you a Kate Winslet fan by any chance? I am not actually. No. All right. Oh wow. I'm not. No. I'm, well. I'm sorry. There you go. Um, <laughs> I want to be the Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're no longer the Denzel Washington. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.